This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Weber. What's up, what's up, guys? Hey, Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today, we are going to do our NBA mock draft 5. The last one? Oh, well, the last one you're doing. Because Dave and I got one before the week of the NBA draft. Are you guys doing Hot the week take. one? Yes, we're doing, we're doing one. one of oh, the week okay. of the NBA draft. We're not going to miss that. It's going to be a rumor mill. It'll be crazy. Rumor mill. We got to get the whole thing out. I mean, people are going to want that. People are going to want that. We want to do it as well. I mean, we got to do that. So watch out for the gotta last the people mock draft want. 6.0. We'll probably do two rounds because we're crazy. Um, but Dave's probably like, oh, God. Uh, right I'll now. make up names in the second round see if you guys catch it. <laughs> Anyways, we're not making up names this way. We're going to go one through 30. Hey, a guy from Poland who's actually like... 18. Karnowski? Not even. No, no, no. no okay. Just a Polish guy. 1 through 30. It's a farmer. We're gonna, 1 through 30. <laughs> it's going to be three parts. And Blog Talk Radio should be one whole part, one you know hour-long podcast. So if you're listening in there, thank you so much. Uh, but it should be three parts on YouTube. You're probably watching part one right now. If you are on YouTube, and let's jump into it. Number one pick uh, on the board, it's Boston. We have the, the draft order set. We already did our um, post-lottery mock draft. So, Ricky, looking at this, I know you've had uh, very... Um, What's it called? Um, controversial. Controversial, thank you. Controversial number one picks. Uh, what's your controversial pick uh, this this time around? This one is basically simple. Boston is going to go with a point guard. The way I look at it is most people are saying it's going to be Fultz. I, on the other hand, like Lonzo Ball better. When we did the segment of Ball versus Fultz and we went through the five kind of areas and you laid out who had the advantage, I gave most of them to Ball. So for me in my mock draft, Lonzo Ball's got to be the pick for Boston. And last week it was Josh Jackson, and the, the it, last time before it was, it was Ball, Jackson, and then back to Ball. Okay. So, so what has changed? Why, why do we feel like Ball has the well, advantage again? In the playoffs it was, okay, maybe they go with the – it's all what you're going to do with IT. And at first it's like, well, okay, are they not going to get rid of IT? You can go with a different position. But for me, IT is a big question mark. And if you're going to go – if everyone's like you're going to go at faults. And you're going to go point guard, and then I was just like, I like ball better than faults. Interesting. Dave, Interesting. looking at this, obviously you and I have a similar number one overall pick. We don't really need to explain it. It's the number one pick uh, for pretty much everyone else. You know, it's it's a consensus number one pick. Not everyone else. Some people are agree with you with Lonzo Ball mm-hmm. going number one. Um, but the majority, you know, the majority consensus number one is Markel Fultz. Why? Again, we we'll just explain the the reasoning why. Because I don't think we have to go too deep. In He's depth like on this. a mini. Uh, ugh, I'm going to get some hate for this, but like D'Lo, like. He is he he's a he's similar version to D'Angelo. No. Yeah. Look look at the stats, look at the situation he's in better college. Than D, but look but look at his, the actual players. The, he's a better player. You don't have to look all the stats aren't going to tell everything. The way single the thing. way he looked in college, it's actually they're they're quite similar. I think from my point of view, I see a similar play style, I see a similar fluidity to their play. Um both have a little bit of problem with turnovers uh at times. Mark um, a better creator. Markel may be a better creator, I'd but say but a better defender when he wants to defend. I don't know about when he that. wants to defend. That's the problem when he yeah. wants to. I, I think that there were a lot of highlight reel passes out of uh, D'Angelo, so in college at least, I feel like he really showed off his game a lot more. They're both on under or underachieving bad teams, you know. So I feel like he's he's like a version of that, and it's not too far out. But again, very high upside. He's a scorer. He fits the modern day NBA needs at a point guard by being a good scorer, a decent facilitator. And he has 
at times been a two-way player. Mm-hmm. And heir apparent to Isaiah Thomas, whose contract will be running up uh, not this year, but the year after mm-hmm. uh, this season. He'll be around 29, 30 years old. Uh, so obviously pretty much next in line to take over Boston um, as the point guard. Let's move on now to Los Angeles. Uh, consensus pick again from Dave and I. We got the same player, Alonzo Ball, who you had going number one. Pretty much an easy fit there. You know, reports coming out saying that Lakers aren't impressed with Lonzo oh, Ball or that the you know Lonzo Ball or the Lakers don't want Lonzo Ball. Um, I don't believe in that hype. Um, I don't think that's that's anything true. I think the reports saying that the Celtics are interested in him, I think that's bogus. I think the Lakers saying that they're not interested in him, I think that's complete bogus. It's a smokescreen. The it's, Lakers are only saying it just so Boston goes, okay, well, I guess they don't want him. We can't sucker him into trading us stuff for Lonzo. It's a it's a whole smokescreen, mm-hmm. and and it's and I don't know if, if it's trading him into it. I think maybe just worrying him a little bit because I think that Lakers would be fine with either Markel or Lonzo, but still Lonzo is a better fit. Um, at least for that team because they need a leader, they need a facilitator, and they need a kid from LA. I mean, it's it's, it's a perfect might, fit. Might for help them. them as far as the uh, the hype train, you know, kind of bring it down a little bit to reasonable levels because it had been so built up by everyone around in the media that you know it's a guaranteed lock and this is everything that's going to happen out of there. So it might kind of slow things down a little bit. Make contract negotiations are pretty straightforward in the NBA, thankfully for rookie contracts. So I'm not too worried about that, but like. Yeah, it, for me, it might just be like a fishing attempt to be like, you know, if we weren't interested in ball, but you were, I mean, nothing wrong with that. What, what would you be willing to offer mm-hmm. us? Or if they're not interested in him and someone's really interested in De'Aaron Fox and they don't take De'Aaron, like, you know, you look at the Kings, maybe the Kings are really interested yeah. in De'Aaron Fox. They trade up for, uh, to number two, try to take De'Aaron Fox. Ricky, looking at this, obviously, Markel Fultz, still on yeah, the board, and they're taking him out. It's going to be point guards one and two no matter what, whether mm-hmm. it's Fultz ball, whether it's ball Fultz. And the way I look at both of these is exactly kind of like all three of us have our mock going is if it's your mock, it's just who do you prefer better? Who's the number one for you? Who's the number two for you? And that's the main difference with most mocks. And I totally forgot to mention, if you are watching on YouTube or listening on Blog Talk Radio, check out in the description. You will find our whole mock draft. Uh, We have a Google Doc that you can check out and follow pick by pick. But let's move on to number three. This is probably one of the hardest picks for me to at least choose. Um, A lot of players on the board, Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum, Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, a lot of players that could Mm -hmm. fit or at least fit needs for the Philadelphia 76ers, and we all have three different players going to the Philadelphia 76ers. So I will start off first, explain my pick. I got him going with Malik Monk here. Uh, a team that desperately needs shooting. You look at their stars right now. It's Ben Simmons. It's uh, Joel Embiid. I think, you know, I've made the argument before for, for, for Josh Jackson because, you know, I named both of their two stars right now, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Both guys have injury problems. Uh, Josh Jackson could probably have the most star potential out of the guys left on the board. I think that might play into their uh, decision, but looking at it, you look at what they need. They need outside scoring. They need shooters that Ben Simmons can pass the ball off to. Uh, you know, when Joel Embiid is a little bit cold, you need to go Malik Monk. I think Malik Monk's probably their best fit. Um, I think it's a little bit of a reach at three, but ultimately looking at what the 76ers need, um, if it's going to make your team better, it's not really that much of a reach. And if it works out, you know, we really won't look back at it later down the road and look at it a reach. So I think Malik Monk is probably the best fit, both fit-wise and looking at the players currently on this team. Uh, I think that he's probably going to fit in best with that personnel. So Malik Monk is going to the 76ers for me at number three. Dave, who you got? Yeah, I've got Josh Jackson. Uh, you mentioned the two best players on this team are both injured, both injured currently, and you know one is injury-prone already. The other one, Ben Simmons, we don't really know if he could have follow-up injuries, but... I think it's just best player available again this year, and I know they've kind of been flipping back and forth on we're going to take uh, what fits versus, you know, fit and need versus best player available. And in my mind, it's still having that open mind of, you know, 
We don't have a lock on our star moving forward. We've got a couple guys who have shown amazing potential, uh, both in college and in a small uh, preview at, at the NBA level. But are, are you confident enough with that moving forward, with that history already? I think they go Josh Jackson here. I think it's not a guy they have an immediate opening for, but you will make room for him, mm-hmm. and you'll kind of find the spacing for him. He'll he, the, the good thing is he can play multiple positions on this team and their bench. And with the guys they've got on our contract, like there will be time to play. Trust me, this is not a team where you're going to sit, at, you know, and mm-hmm. only average like ten minutes a game during your rookie season. No, you're going to have f- plenty of time to go out there and run your game. I like Monk, Sean. I, I completely agree with all the reasons you said. The mm-hmm. thing for me it, with the concern there is just the fact that Monk has a high upside as as a scorer, but also like when he goes cold, he is just worthless to you as a player. Like he he provides very little off-ball uh, help, and uh, that's my concern. Like, his up is very high. Josh Jackson, I feel, is just a little bit, gives you a more well-rounded prospect going forward. Yeah, I mean, to me, both of the things that you guys have brought up, I just I sit here and I think, I go, there are three things that I would, there's three players that I would look at. The two that you guys said, and then the one I have them going with is De'Aaron Fox. And the reason why I have them passing on Jackson, passing on Monk, mm-hmm. is right now the 76ers have four picks in the second round. And I look at those picks, and of course, like at number 50, you're not going to get somebody anywhere near number three. But I look at small forward, I look at shooting, and there have been guys that we have had in our first round late that now are no longer in there, and we're going to get to those guys. But the guys that are there in the second, I'm like, you know what? You can get a small forward. You can find shooting with that 36, maybe that 39 pick. And to me, I look at this team, and this might sound crazy, but just bear with me for a second. This team, first off, the big disclaimer that needs to be said is they need to stay healthy. Yep. Ben Simmons hasn't played. Joel Embiid is has injury history. Jaws However, has, Jaws had injury problems. Well. Jaws not even with him. Jaws not even worried. He's about He's currently right now. on the team. I'm he's on saying. the team, but it's one of those things where is he going to get traded? I don't think he's the future. And I look at this team: Ben Simmons, yep. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Saric all fit a role. And the blueprint I'm looking at is a team that's right now in the NBA Finals, and that's the Cleveland Cavaliers. You got Ben Simmons coming in, going to play that point guard, that on offense, that point forward role, kind of like a LeBron James, what he does for that team. Then you have Saric and Embiid with what they can do outside and down low. You can have one take the Tristan Thompson role, the other take a Kevin Love role. What do you need? You need a Kyrie. Now, I know De'Aaron Fox, the big thing everyone's going to say is Ricky can't shoot. Shooting is something for me you can develop. I take him more because of his defensive ability, and you need someone to go up against point guards that you're going to see in the East and eventually in the future, and that's why I go with the point guard, and I worry about getting the shooting guard and small forward later. On a very basic level, that works, but Joel Embiid does not equal what Tristan Thompson does for the Cavs. Um, Dario Sarge definitely does not equal um, Kevin Love. Ben Simmons and LeBron, maybe. You know, obviously, we've we've heard those comparisons saying, when he was coming I'm out. I'm saying the blueprint. Um, I'm saying the blueprint eh, is kind of there to Even do you look at Kyrie, similar. Kyrie's not known for his defense. Kyrie's known as creating his own shot and scoring and, and shooting from the outside and also driving in the lane. De'Aaron Fox can really only and drive that, past, past and that's using what I'm his saying. shot. He's not, 
to far out though. He'd have to develop but, the shot but I'm more. Saying, he's not you like a Kyrie. Oh no, no, no. You look at Kyrie. Kyrie's got, has one of the best. You know, he's, yeah. he's unreal I'm, handling the and ball. I, and I'm and not De'Aaron saying Fox is, is nowhere near I'm the level of Kyrie. I'm not saying De'Aaron Fox would come in and be exactly what Kyrie is. He's got Kyrie came in had a way better shot than what De'Aaron Fox is. But I look at these point guards, and I look at the point guards that you're going to have to go up against if mm-hmm. you want to compete someday, and I look at what De'Aaron Fox can do defensively, and I go, that could be needed because the offense on the point guard side is going to be Ben Simmons. I, I disagree with your comparisons, but I agree with the fact that bringing in De'Aaron Fox would be uh, pretty big for them defensively because you know Ben will roll back. Mm-hmm. And there, there were talks about him trying to guard the one. I think we'll find out pretty quickly that he doesn't have the lateral quickness to keep up with a lot of ones in today's but, NBA. But, but I think does. De'Aaron Fox would give you an awesome defensive matchup. The, my biggest concern there is off-ball. De'Aaron can run around and try to create, but his biggest thing is he he's just another passer. And when you look at the rest of that roster, you, you mentioned it, Dario is a great passer, and he's similar. He's like a bigger but slower version of Ben Simmons and what he can do. So I, you need someone who can take that shot from the outside eventually. And I feel like having too many facilitators and not enough guys who can go like full ISO is probably going to be a concern for them in the long run. You even look at the players currently on the team that would, you know, kind of stray away from that passing role. It's Joel Embiid and Ja, and really those and two TLC guys. And too. And, well, the, at, least, at least, you know, Ja and Joel Embiid, the guys that we have seen yep. um, in extended minutes, those are guys that work on the inside. And, you know, I know Ja can stretch it out a bit, but still, you look at the majority of where they can score, Joel and Ja are going to work on the inside. There's going to be barely Joel at that three-point line, boy. I'm just saying, there's going to be a, a lot of lack of spacing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, think, I agree. I, think, I don't want to run into that uh, bullish trap think, of, we don't shoot the three. If you're picking De'Aaron Fox for his potential, totally fair. I well, understand the defensive stuff as well. And, I just, again, the and just the one thing, was a little it's, iffy. Like yeah. I said, <laughs> yep. blueprint wise, yeah, something course. I'm thinking about, I'm like, man, these kind of fit some of the, like, the height, the weight, the position that they're playing. They got the key positions there. But the thing that I also, what Dave said, which the, um, you mentioned the ISO ball. Yep. I kind of feel like having a facilitator, another one, wouldn't be bad because look at the Warriors. They're not a team that's going to kill you with ISO ball. They'll pass around. They'll find the open shooter. They can, and then but make then it. they can go back to Kevin Durant and let him just win because there's no matchup in the world that stops him. And eventually, you hope that Ben Simmons becomes that kind of a role. It's that's gonna, why you drafted him number though. one. It's going to be tough to compare, you know, this 76ers team that's very young to any team that's currently in the finals. I think that's I think yeah. a ton of very potential. lofty. I, there's a ton of potential. I it, we'll we'll see where that goes. I think it's a tough pick there in Philadelphia. I think that's one, one we're going yeah, to there's, there's a lot of contests uh, there. to see. You know what the best fit is. I think it's Malik Monk again, just from the outside scoring. I think it's it's the best fit with Ben Simmons' ability to facilitate. I think you have enough facilitators on the team. But, again, it's it, it's anyone's preference, like you said, Ricky, um, with the Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz thing. It's whatever your preference is. And I don't mm-hmm. think uh, I, you really can go wrong with uh, who you're really going to pick there. I mean, unless you're taking, like, Caleb Darko Swanigan. Darko Milicic. Yeah, okay. But Darko's not in this draft. Anyways, let's move or on to Phoenix. Or Dragon Bender. <laughs> let's move on to Phoenix. Hey. Not, not wouldn't do out. anything. Jury's about, out. Jury's still out, but he wouldn't He's very be out. anything day one. He's very That's young. what I'm saying. Let's move on to Phoenix. Anyways, uh, Josh Jackson is my pick there uh, for Phoenix. Obviously not going uh, number three to Philadelphia. I got Josh Jackson. I think he has the highest ceiling outside of Markel Fultz. Um, I think that he can really be turned into a star in this league. But then again, you look at his lack of shooting. That's going to be something that needs to work on. But you look at his athleticism, his quickness, and his defense, and his passing ability. I think he's got uh, an all-around game that's going to fit well with Phoenix Suns. A player like Dragon Bender. Maybe mm-hmm. he can set up uh, Dragon, Dragon Bender, Bender on the outside when driving in because he's got great passing. Marquis 
Marquise Chris, those two can work well on a pick and roll. You also look at Devin Booker. I mean, setting up him shooting wise, and then also um, with Tyler Lewis, he can drive in and dish it out to Josh Jackson. If who if he does develop the shot, he can be great. And also playing next to Devin Booker, who isn't the greatest defender, uh, Marquise Chris, who you know isn't isn't that great yet defending. You know, a young team having guys like Josh a lot of growth could step on in. That team, yeah, again, Josh Jackson who could step in and be a good defender already. I think that's going to be a, a huge boost. I think it's a cool. Pretty clear pick to me uh, that it is uh, Josh Jackson, uh, but we do have some differing opinions out here. I know, Ricky, you're the same with me, though. This one was hard, and the reason why I say it's hard is I didn't know whether to put Josh Jackson or Jason Tatum, and I know that a lot of people are going to say, Ricky, it's easy. You put Jackson, he's the better small forward, but really it's another thing like ball and fault. It's where your preference is, and the thing that really – kind of made me solidify, yes, Jackson, is that Tatum might have to develop too much. He's got the core there to be your classic kind of um, scoring potential small forward, but there's too many like secondary areas that he needs to improve on where Josh Jackson, he comes in, he's athletic, he plays both ways, and doesn't have as much to improve on as JT. Yeah, and we're talking about small forwards here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Tatum and Josh Jackson fit that role. Um, I think that's one of the biggest needs, at least for this team. We're looking Huge at starting. Glaring hold of me. Starting, but however, Dave, you have a different position here. Yeah. You have point guard. Obviously, Eric Bledsoe, um, a guy who's getting older, 27, I think he is. Um, he, he's got a decent contract, locked, locked up for a long time, but if they do want to move him for a younger piece, yeah. obviously they can do that. You also look at um, Brandon Knight. Like Brandon Knight. probably going to be gone. Brandon you don't Knight like well. Tyler Ulis? You know I <laughs> Brandon Knight as well, young, uh, you know, youngish player, but has had injury concerns. Not the most and consistent. He's not super productive. And also, Tyler Lewis is five nine, so maybe people will overlook him for that. But you have yeah. De'Aaron Fox going there. I do, I do. And the one consistency I want to point out here across all three of these picks, you know, two are Jack Jackson, one De'Aaron Fox, is defense because the Suns flat out just suck at defense. Mm-hmm. Like that is not their specialty, and that's fine. They're a young team. There's a lot to come with learning how to play at the NBA level at NBA speed and around that. So I, I feel like. Really going for a defensive player here is is the key. Whether you go Jackson, if he's on the board, still great. If he's not, I want uh, De'Aaron Fox. I think they are probably going to end up moving Bledsoe. I think Knight is foregone. He's gone at like as soon as they can find a decent deal, even a non-decent deal they'll probably take just to get him out of town because he's a non-factor and he's just taking away minutes from guys who mm-hmm. you want to see grow. I think Tyler Ewell showed us a lot at the end of last year. Um and I have a lot of faith in him being my permanent backup point guard. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I was I was really high on him last year. I thought it was a steal when they picked him, and I still think he's a phenomenal player. Uh, it's just a matter of like what De'Aaron Fox can do for you defensively to help shore up that first unit, night and day from what they can do. And the faith that we're getting uh, as Devin Booker continues to grow, Marquise Chris. I mean, he's gonna have every tool. It looks like mm-hmm. at this point. Dragon Bender injury, so I, I think that last year scratch. I'm really, really curious to see what he can do this year. So, personally, I think just Fox in there. I know it seems stupid to go for another guard because this team is so guard heavy, but they they need to move well, pieces and line up that timeline because it does you no good to have mm-hmm. someone like Eric Bledsoe on this team. And no offense to like the whole tanking and the process shit, but like it it really doesn't make sense. Like he's what is he going to give you other than a little bit of veteran leadership because. You can get that for much cheaper, and he has a ton of value on that contract. There are teams out there who are looking for veteran point guards who he's my mini LeBron still. Like His stat line is pretty good. He covers a little bit of everything for you, and I just think that they can actually flip him for some decent value well, in a relatively quick the time. The one situation that I think of, and maybe it's because of where 
you had De'Aaron Fox and where I have De'Aaron Fox, the big yeah. difference is Philly, he would have a little bit more stress on him because it'd be like, hey, we don't have shooting. We need you That's... to develop this. Whereas Phoenix, it's like, don't worry. We got D. Booker scoring 70, 80 points over here. We got it covered. Next Kobe over here scoring exactly. 100. The, sun, the, Suns, Kobe, but the Suns were a top it's 10 a offensive team. Uh, I, mm-hmm. They might have been a little higher than that, actually. But it was just like, they're such a great offensive team. And you're right. There's It's very mm-hmm. low pressure for De'Aaron Fox to come in and be that score. But you can work with that defense early on. and then develop it. Kentucky guards. Enough said. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, what? Uh, Every year. Night. Is a Kentucky guard nice. Bledsoe, Bledsoe, useless. You call him useless? No, useless. <laughs> it sounded like useless. Booker. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a ton of Kentucky guards in there, and also you look at the small forward position. I'm still a big fan of TJ Warren. I just see mm-hmm. his top end um, as a six man, but still, I mean, it looks, you know, keeping him as your starting small forward for the time being for one yep. year, I don't think is is a huge travesty, especially if he stays healthy and can be consistent. I think TJ Warren's a nice spot there. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Philadelphia does. I think that's going to have a major effect there Absolutely. on Phoenix, and obviously we can see as now as our uh, as our whole mock draft kind of gets completely different, I'll start off uh, Sacramento at the five spot. Obviously, we've talked last week. I think it was Philadelphia uh, possibly making a trade. Maybe uh, you know I've seen uh, Philadelphia moving uh, picks and players uh, mm-hmm. swapping places uh, with Sacramento the three at five spot. Uh, but I have Sacramento if they stay at the five spot, going with De'Aaron Fox to delay my mock draft just laid out. You know we've heard about it so many times. You already have. Uh, De'Aaron Fox going. Dave already has De'Aaron Fox going. De'Aaron Fox, great defensively, so quick, one of the quickest players in this draft, if not the quickest. Yeah. Uh, great passing vision. Obviously needs to work on a shot a little bit, but still that's something to be worked on, and that is your biggest drawback. That is something you, you know teams can work with. We obviously saw uh, a guy like Buddy Heald was shooting with his wrong hand, and he turns into uh, a Wooden Award player winner and <laughs> uh, a really a bright spot for the Sacramento Kings team. You look at De'Aaron Fox's skill set, Fits really well with that really timeline of this team, and then also the skill set of guys like Buddy Heald, Willie Cauley-Stein, et cetera, et cetera. So I think De'Aaron mm-hmm. Fox is a perfect fit there. The big question, though, and this is kind of the thought process that I was having, because I'll be honest, I sat there at five and I thought, although De'Aaron Fox is off my board, I'm like, do they reach for like a Dennis Smith Jr.? Do they go and take it just to get that point guard early? And part of me was like, hey, you know what? Go with a different need. And then we're, let let the Knicks in Dallas figure out what they're going to do, and there will will be somebody there at ten for you guys to take point guard wise. I, for me, like I said, a little bit different because De'Aaron Fox is off the board. If De'Aaron Fox is there, you go ahead and take him. But that was something that kind of played into my decision here: is do you value the point guard position so highly at five? If let's say like for Dave and Mai's case where Fox is off the board. No, I, I think that's fair. It's just you're right. It, it's such a twisting thing because there's you know mm-hmm. the, the spots between them and their next pick. There's a lot of upheaval in what could go down mm-hmm. there, and three of the four could go point guard. And that's the thing, and that it's such a crazy draft how top loaded the point guard position is, and then it's just barren for the yeah. entire rest of the first. I round mean, you're, you're talking now about you know possibly a guy like Donovan Mitchell. Going to uh, a one spot where he's played consistently in college, uh, a two spot. Now you're wondering if he can really develop into a point guard. Uh, I mean, really, you look at the next point guard off the, uh, on the board. Uh, I think after, I think it's Juwan Evans, Evans, where we have a guy yeah. going uh, around the 20 mark. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Sacramento does. I think it's just, you know, De'Aaron Fox not only is is a great fit, I think he has probably more star potential than a guy like Jason Tatum, Jonathan Isaac, uh, Frank, Dennis Smith, et cetera, et cetera. I think that he is not only the best value, but the best fit as well. Um, both of you look at his his skill uh, his skill set, 
and uh, his passing ability, I think that's really going to fit well with this team. Because you look at a guy like Frank, he's going to need a lot of time to develop. Where I think the Sacramento team, when you look at Buddy Heald's age, you look at Willie Cauley-Stein's age, I think that De'Aaron Fox might be, while he is young, uh, I think that he might be able to advance quicker quicker than a guy like Frank. And and you look at Dennis Smith, the problems with his ACL injury, I think that's going to be something See, that really kind of hurts I, him. I still think, for, for me, it's Dennis Smith because I trust in uh, the Bogdan pickup. Uh, well, De'Aaron Fox is already gone for you, so that's yeah. one thing, too. They need a point guard. I'm taking no risks. I'm saying we're going to get one first pick available, and Dennis Smith is an explosive player. Uh, you talked about his drawbacks as far as his injury. And he sort of has a little bit of negativity around him as far as giving up on his team, perhaps, yeah. uh, late in the season. So, yeah, there, there's some possible personality problem there. But I think there's nothing that can't be coached through. And I really believe, like, Sacramento is on the turn of you have a great coach. And I was, then I was just bringing it up. You look at Sacramento. I mean, they just got rid of someone with personal problem, uh, personality <laughs> well, problems with Boogie. Obviously not as big <laughs> yeah. uh, Dennis Smith but, as, but Boogie. But Boogie has grown those problems in Sacramento, mm-hmm. I think, is the yeah. difference there. It, it's just... You know, Joking. suffering through the awfulness of them. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, um, but no, Dan Smith, dynamic player. He could give you, I mean, he has superstar potential. And like, it's up there. He's probably like number three or four for me. But like, the, the big drawback is is he going to be consistently healthy and is he going to give it his all every night? Mm-hmm. And I think that he, I think that Sacramento is a great fit for him. I think the, the fit is right. I think the, um, uh, the need for Sacramento to get a point guard ASAP in this draft and lock in their backcourt of the future is there. So for me, it's like a, like, let's take care of this, and let's take a deep breath, and I think that Bogdan will come over, and I think that, honestly, his he's a big question mark because mm-hmm. they can go out in free agency and spend some money if they need to on another small forward, but see what you got. You spent, a, you spent some... Uh, some draft pick on him, so you might as well go for it. I mean, and that's the one thing that kind of played into it a little bit is you do have Bogdan coming over. But, I mean, ultimately, I I looked at it and I went, you know what, BPA pick, Jason Tatum is there. And it's like Bogdan is also, yeah, he's coming over, but we have high hopes for him, but we don't know exactly what he is going to do when he's actually on the Kings. I mean, the Kings have been a team where – We've had some high hopes before, and then it hasn't really worked out for them. So I go BPA, and then I say, you know what, at 10, we're going to go ahead and worry about that Come on, I mean, Papa John's, you didn't expect them to go... Uh... They they could wild Surprise card Surprise They honestly could wild card. Surprise I mean, pick. We could see they can some... go Frank. I don't, well, that, I don't know if that's too surprising. I mean, they well, need a point they, guard. I mean, at five, I'd take Dennis Smith over Frank. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, it's not too crazy. I mean, he is still Fine. a top-ten Jawan player. Evans at I mean, five. Is that more shocking that's for more you? That's more shocking, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, again, I had Papa Giannis as my uh, Papa Giannis. Mm-hmm. In your second round last year. My second round, he goes 13. Anyways, uh, let's move on now to Orlando, one of our favorite teams outside of Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how they're back-to-back, really. Um, <laughs> it, it really fits the fast break. Uh, looking at this, uh, for me at least, Darren Fox off the board, Josh Jackson off the board, Malik Monk off the board, Lonzo, Fultz off the board, best player available. And I, you know, we talked about this already, um, the growth of Alfred Payton, the lack of growth from Hazonia, uh, the lack of growth from— Take the uh, horse. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sir Casey wasn't happy that we took the horse. The lack of growth from Fournier as well. I mean, Fournier's been all right. Uh, But still, you look at that. They need a superstar in Orlando. I think Jason Tatum can develop into a superstar. We were talking about this before the Fast Break podcast in in very uh, basic blueprint ways. You look at Josh Jackson with his athleticism. Maybe he can be an athletic scorer like a guy like Vince Carter or Tracy McGrady. Not Mm -hmm. saying he's going to be that. Just saying. And then also you look at Jason Tatum, though. A little bit more fluid guy. Similar to Carmelo. 
uh, Carmelo, I was going to say Paul Pierce as well. Oh, yeah. Kind of definitely. similar to those two players, um, just in the fact that, you know, they are smooth. They are very, you know, uh, shifty in their yep. ways. Like, they're, they're guys that. And, and they have good hands, and they don't. They're, mm-hmm. they're not. Well, Carmelo, early Carmelo, was not a black hole of offense. Yeah, and I think Tatum can be uh, a very similar player. And I yeah. think Ta- Tatum will fit very well uh, I, And in I Orlando. think he's one of the probably weirdly like earliest ready guys. And I think in Orlando, like give him playtime early and you won't regret it. And I think that's one thing with Orlando, too. You look at that team. I mean, Vucevic is, is, is a decent player right now. Aaron Gordon, one of their younger players, is still growing as well. And you look at Peyton. I mean, these, this team is a little higher um, at least age timeline than, than we've seen from out of other places. Mm-hmm. They just don't have that superstar to take him to the next level. Level If Tatum is ready and he's able to take over yeah. right away, I think this could be a really nice fit for this team. So Dave and I both have Tatum going there. Uh, Ricky, what do, you, what do you got? I have same position, different guy, because obviously Tatum's off the board in mine. I got Jonathan Isaac. And the reason being is I look at that small forward position, and I'm not sold on any of the guys that I see on the depth chart. But also, he's a guy that gives you the 3 and D. He's versatile in the multi-positionals that he can guard on the defensive end. And there was a weird thing, and I mentioned this before we started recording, was I have this like weird feeling. I don't know if it's something just because the gap in potential, maybe not the ceiling, but the amount of growth from Isaac could be greater than Tatum and Jackson to where I look at this and I go, man, I kind of have this weird feeling that Isaac develops, and at the end we're going, man, he should have been the first shooting, our first small forward off the board. I don't know about that, but I think I think you're right about the 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 growth that he does have because you look at Florida State. I mean, he was a kid that played around 20 minutes, wasn't even the first option, wasn't even the third option or second option on that Florida State team. You look at Dwayne Bacon, that was a really Dwayne mm-hmm. Bacon heavy uh, team. But yep. you look at you know the ability of Jonathan Isaac both defensively. You know, we really haven't seen a ton from him offensively, and what we have seen has been really nice. And he's I, just I think, gotta develop that score well, mentality. And I think well, he needs the time to develop. I don't mm-hmm. think he got that at all at Florida State. So yeah. I, I agree with. You that he might have the most. I don't know. I, I think that's a lofty claim, though, saying that. Yeah, he might well, I'm just he saying might be it's, a weird, it's a weird feeling I have that I'm not really going out mm-hmm. there and going out on that branch, but I'm like, <laughs> I just I feel have like, a weird feeling. I, I feel like that there's a lot of unknown about him still uh, because he wasn't the dominant player on the team. So I, I think fit is the most important thing for him going forward in the NBA because he wasn't in that like spotlight role at Florida mm-hmm. State. So I think that if he gets pushed into a role where he has to be the scorer right away, I think that could be really bad for him and for his growth. So well, I think that's something that might be. But I mean, at least the Magic. I don't think he's going to be looked at as being the score. Because, no one scores. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> they don't score. Um, Team averages eighty points a game in the but, NBA. But I mean, really, it's weird saying, but they're number one offensive option. I love the straight team. face from Dave. No one scores they're, straight face. Well, I mean, they're they're two highest uh, scores. I think both average around eighteen points a game. But you look at. Um, maybe I mean really the first scoring option might end up being Terrence Ross it, really on that team with Jonathan Isaac going mm-hmm. there. Um, I mean Peyton's like a four a fourth or third option. Aaron Gordon, you know you, he has potentially has a lot of athleticism, but I don't know if he's going to be a scorer. Vucevic is a good scorer, we know that. Uh, Fournier he just as can't well. stand the floor for long periods of time. Yeah, it's just it's it's going to be weird. I, I think it's something where um, I, I like the fit because you know Frank Vogel, defensive coach, um, gonna, and Jonathan Isaac's going to add a lot of defense there, but still I don't know if he has that star potential right away. Or a guy like Tatum and Josh yeah, Jackson. Yeah, I'm looking for do. something to kind of put them back um, on the map. Because think, remember what Draymond said, you know, is he the reason? Is KD really the reason why Orlando still sucks? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> the reason Orlando still sucks is because they have not been able to develop their players to to a, the next level, really. Mm-hmm. They, they move around a lot of pieces, but they can't really land on guys who become the like 
building blocks for this franchise. Well, and they really have had hallmarks. When was, this team is up, they've had hallmarks that have really pushed this team. You look at Shaq early, you look at Penny early, then you look at uh, T-Mac, then you look at Dwight Howard. I mean, these are the guys that really excelled them yeah. into the limelight. They don't have a guy that I see can do that. I don't know if Isaac can do that right away, and I think it might take him a while, like you know, a couple, four or five years to get to that level where he might be a hallmark he, he's of a fair, team. fairly raw, um, yeah. So that's why I think he kind of fits really well with the team at seven. That's why I've had him mocked, I think, pretty much every single mock draft <laughs> that I've had, uh, and it's going to the Minnesota Timberwolves. You look at Isaac, again, we talked about his defense a little bit, how you know he's going to fit Frank Vogel, how Frank Vogel's a defensive coach. He's going to fit Tom Thibodeau even better. I mean, Tom Thibodeau is one of the best defensive coaches we have seen, uh, one of the most uh, prevalent defensive, defensive coaches we have seen as well. I think Jonathan Isaac's a natural fit as well because you look at the lack of scoring that he will be really relied on with Carl Anthony Towns, Zach Levine, uh, Andrew Wiggins, all these players around him. I think that's going to take a lot of load off him. He can just do really do what he needs to do. Um, that's like a 3-and-D player like you mentioned mm-hmm. um, that will fit the Orlando Magic. I think Minnesota is a perfect landing spot for Jonathan Isaac, um, but obviously he's off the board for you, Ricky. So why is this player that you have Malik such a, Monk, good, such a good fit? The reason why is it's one of those things where I look at it and it goes, okay, like we, this is a similar situation to the last um, lottery mock that we did was Zach, Zach Levine coming off of his injury. You're kind of unsure what he's going to do, what he's going to bring coming off of his knee injury. Mm-hmm. Also behind him, you don't really have a solid backup behind him. So you can have Malik there also. But then I look at the point guard situation. I go, Rubio, someone that we've talked about at nauseum, maybe getting moved. We still don't know what Dunn's going to bring to this team. And That's for really, sure. they can draft Monk and kind of decide what they're going to do with him. Is he just going to be a guard that they kind of play? Because he does have the, although he's a shooting, our, our shooting guard, he does have the tools to grow as a point guard so they can draft him and then kind of decide where he fits into that backcourt either as a two or a one he's gonna need a lot of growth to become a one i yep. think i think that's for he sure. can grow i didn't um, say it's a short yeah, growth but he has the tools to grow uh we'll we'll see how he i mean he, he has the body for to become a point guard for sure we know we know that um i think it's gonna be interesting to see what happens i think uh they'll definitely either need to move rubio maybe they move levine for a point guard that they're you know that mm-hmm. they can at least and set on he maybe becomes the main shooting guard yeah i, I think it's gonna be interesting i I think Malik Monk is a terrible fit, but then again, that's a lot of offense and a defensive-minded coach. Um, Dave, you have Isaac. I, I mean, do, I do. I think kind it's... of going between the two. What are your thoughts on that? Because yeah. I think Monk's still available. Monk for is you. still on my board. So yeah. Why, why would you take Isaac over Monk, like Ricky's saying? Uh, for me, it's absolutely like Minnesota's wet dream situation to have Jonathan Isaac still on the board. Honestly, they're like a team and a need fit perfectly for them. And that's the thing. Isaac has potential. Like Ricky said, he mm-hmm. could be. Like, looking back at this draft, like, the second-best player, third-best player on the board. And Thibodeau mm-hmm. could probably make him phenomenal and, defensively. And that's the thing. Like, the coach matches perfectly. You talked about the defensive prowess of Thibodeau and the way he, I mean, he'll grind out your knees and you'll, mm-hmm. you'll play 40 minutes a game, but you will learn the game inside and out, and there's not many better teachers in this game at, from a coaching position. So I really have trust in that kind of relationship building over time. And the fact that he isn't going to be counted on to be a scorer, he— because he has, he doesn't have that killer instinct. He's not the ball-heavy guy. He's just there to take care of his own, and then he can guard anything under the sun. So it's it's a perfect fit for a team is so woefully inadequate defensively last year, and it costs him so many games. I think Zach Levine's injury is a concern. They're gonna probably end up spending a little money in free agency to get a backup guard in my mind, uh, because it's between him being injured mm-hmm. and, like you said, Rubio's been on the trade block for a year straight, and we haven't seen enough growth out of Dunn. He got thrown in the deep end last year, so 
Still a little concerned, but you know what? I'm going to let it go for one more year and just kind of see how it plays out. I think Isaac is an instant plug-and-play success there, though. And I think it's interesting, too, that you know Dave is the highest on Malik Monk out of, I, I out of all of yeah. us, and you have him going eight. So, well, I mean, well, I would have had Isaac go there, too, but I didn't have him go to the Magic right before. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's, <laughs> let's go to Dave. New York, obviously, on the board okay. now. At number eight, you're high, super high on Malik Monk, probably the highest out of Ricky, you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch a lot of his games. But you have him falling. Dave yeah. likes Kentucky. You, I do. I like winners. You have him, you have him falling. <laughs> but you like I rebuilds. Mean, I like rebuilds. And you like winners, but he likes rebuilds also. So, you have yeah. a falling. I do. Uh, so why why the fall, and why would New York finally pick him up? Okay. So the fall is because of, I mentioned a little bit earlier on, for me, his upside is is one of the best scores in the league. He When he's hot, he's as hot as Clay Thompson has been. Uh, I mean, it's just absolutely fire. He gets his stroke, and then he finds anywhere beyond that three-point line, he's golden from as soon as he gets on. Mm-hmm. So with him, it's more of getting him going and getting him involved in the game. And when he is not, he's had a lot of like one for 10, one for 11 games. Um, so it's he becomes such a useless player for you. The upside to that is he's not afraid to continue taking shots, and there is the odd chance that even if he's on an ice-cold night, he can make a clutch shot for you. But he doesn't contribute enough to you off-ball or defensively that it's worth it for me to go for him as a top five, top six pick. I think in a city like New York, where you can pair him down low with Porzingis, Mello, I, I know there's such controversy around him if he's going to be there for much mm-hmm. longer or not. Not even thinking about Mello in the but future. it helps you stretch out the floor. And mm-hmm. I think as a young guy, him growing with Porzingis down in the low post and him out behind that three-point line, I think you have a great uh, tandem there. And you can sort of hide him defensively wherever, at the one or the two, whichever the other team has the worst matchup at, because he doesn't have the size to guard uh, twos or threes at all. Yeah, I mean, and he doesn't have the... Um, the lateral quickness to beat people off the pick and roll. So for me, it's him being a fantastic spot up shooter. And when the ball's in his hands, he, he can catch lightning in a bottle. But at the same time, if he's not, he's just a waste of space. And I think one thing too that's interesting with Malik Monk. I mean, you talk about the 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 matchup with Porzingis, at least the the mix with Porzingis. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have the lateral quickness to you know beat you by a pick and roll. But however, with Porzingis being so big and Porzingis being so great as he is, I think a pick and pop could be very interesting with him. Absolutely. Where, it, where Monk can step back, create a little bit space with the size of Porzingis, kind of blocking off defenders, and then him stepping back and, and and taking a shot from deep. So I think that's an interesting pair. Um, I just don't know if he's gonna fall. I mean, again. You talk about the explosiveness. No, of I mean Malik his, Monk his upside and is his scoring. A crazy score. I think that's just it's so just, hard for player. You know, you know, people the, to pass. The size and the frame and, and the defensive liability built in with the fact that if he could give you more, like mm-hmm. uh, it's just his game is so like pinpoint, like spotlight specific. He's not a well-rounded player, and that's that's where my concern is. At the top of this draft, you're either looking. I mean, yeah, you can great get one of the best role players potentially for the next. 10, 15 years, he could be like Jamal Crawford level, mm-hmm. like J.J. Reddick style, just absolute murderous from the from the three-point line and as a scorer in general. But it comes to like, or I could take a shot at someone who has a well-rounded game and a potentially higher upside as a everyday starter in my lineup. Yeah, so, I think it's I think it's just interesting. Um, I just I don't see him falling, and that's, that's yeah. all. That's all. I don't see him falling. Uh, Ricky, we obviously differ though. Um, here we got point guard. We're sticking mm-hmm. with well, point guards here. That's a big need. That's mm-hmm. a big need so, I see for the next. So obviously, there's two point guards mm-hmm. left on the board. We're differing here. Why do you have? Uh, Frank, I don't know you don't Frank. Why do you have Dennis Smith? I almost going? had Frank. I, I almost Frank. did. I, I switched and before we started. The main reason why I almost had Frank was I was like, well, you know what? Phil took uh, Porzingis before. Maybe he'll take Frank again. But mm-hmm. I look at the two 
and I just like what Dennis Smith would bring to the Knicks. The Knicks need a guy who's an explosive athlete, who's a ball handler, who can get into the lane, who can has that kind of elite scoring and has that in his ceiling and his potential, but also can drive and, oh, the shot's not there, kick it out to someone, or even I just I picture it in my head. Smith drives in, goes up for the layup, dishes it to Porzingis, who's right there for a quick dunk. I mean, th- like, the options with this is they need a guy who, because like Dave mentioned with Mello, when I think of the Knicks' future, Mello's not there. I took my eraser, and I just erased him from the floor because he is not a part of the plan for me moving forward. And they need a guy, if Mello's not going to be there, not going to be that scorer, they need a guy that's going to say, I can A, put the team on my back, and I'm going to develop into that guy where it's crunch time, final shot, it's on me. Yeah, I think I think it's it's interesting. I think you talk about star potential. I think Dennis Smith has it. I mean, you look at his explosiveness, mm-hmm. you look at his athleticism, you look at you know his personality, I think that might fit really well into New York or might be very, you know, pretty toxic um, in New York, depending on how his personality ends up. Um, I think I think it's a it's a you know a natural fit there for Dennis Smith. However, you talk about for, uh, Phil and his love for international players, and you also look at Frank just in general as a prospect. I mean, we still don't know his wingspan, but people are saying it's around seven one, seven two. I think. He's yeah. oh, seven, Frank's seven, a, one. Frank's a lot better defensively. Well, than he's a Dennis lot better Smith defensively, too. and he's had the output. Um, scoring wise, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he had games um, in the France under 18. I know definitely, you know, you're playing uh, Lithuanian kids who are, you know, under 18 years old. You know, you're you're playing, you know, not the highest of, mm-hmm. of competition, but he has shown ability to put up like 22 a night and put up 31 points and shoot uh, pretty well from the outside and, and just be a great scorer and be a facilitator. So I think Frank, with his potential, um, I think maybe it was luck with Phil hitting on, on Porzingis, but a maybe lot of he, people didn't like that pick. But maybe maybe he knows what he's talking about. Maybe maybe. Mm-hmm. Phil does a lot of intensive scouting um, internationally. Maybe the Knicks have fantastic international scouts. Um, I just look at Frank, and I, I think you have the body that we really haven't seen um, from uh, from many many different um, you know point guards. We haven't seen the sky, the size, the arm span, uh, the, the the wingspan. I'm sorry, the wingspan uh, of a guy like Frank. If he can develop offensively, I think he could be a very interesting player, especially going with a lot of length and size in Porzingis. If those two uh, could pair really well, I think it's going to be an interesting fit for the two. Um, I think, you know, ultimately, I think they'll probably end up going Dennis Smith just because it's a safer pick mm-hmm. and they don't have to wait time on it. And you look at New York, you know, you kind of need an instant product in New York because, um, you know, those fans can kind of get a little bit, uh, I don't know, you know, a little anxious. Um, so I look at Frank and I think you, you see him as more of a project. I mean, with Carmelo going, uh, that New York Knicks team could be really bad with Frank and, and, and Porzingis as your one-two combo um, when you know Frank is really developing. So I think it's interesting uh, to go, you know, to see where they will go. But I think they're going to go point guard for sure. If Malik Monk is on the board, though, I think they might go Monk over both point guards. But I, I just think the the explosive potential and kind of like the fame that he could bring, like. His personality, I feel like, would mm-hmm. fit really well in New York. Mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that. Let's move on to Dallas. Uh, another big market, but obviously you know, a team run by Mark Cuban, probably the biggest personality that Dallas has ever you know seen, um, him and Dirk. Uh, we, we, we go to Dallas. Um, obviously, they need a point guard here. You have Nerlens, you have Dirk, um, you have Harrison Barnes. Uh, you really look at that two spot as well. Wesley Matthews has proven to be a great outside shooter mm-hmm. um, in Portland before. So you look at that point guard position, and that is their biggest need. For me, you guys already talked about Dennis Smith. I don't need to really say much. The only biggest problems with him is personality and um, his injuries. Uh, if he can stay healthy and he isn't that bit in the, you know, the personality 
um, issues are kind of blowing out of the water. I think Dennis Smith is going to be a fantastic player. Um, but you guys taking Frank. Why Frank here um, outside of the fact that he's the only point guard really worth taking here? I mean, really, that's all my reasoning is Dallas is just going to sit there. You guys sort out everything. We'll take whoever's left out of Fox, Smith, and Frank. Everyone above us, you figure out what you're going to do. If one of them's left, we'll take it. If one of them's not there, then we'll figure it out. That's what Dallas is going to do. Yeah, he, he's the last point guard standing, which is a fair point. But I also think it kind of fits nicely for Dallas because he's someone who you guys, you guys are already talking point guard. But in my mind, he doesn't have the handles or control to be a point at the NBA level yet. And he's young. Uh, that's yeah. that's the thing. He is, I think, the youngest player in this draft, mm-hmm. if, not, if not very close to. He's so, 18, 18, all, yeah, 18. All the way to August, right? Yeah, he's uh, yeah, 18 so, for sure. That, that's the thing. It's like you're getting a very young player who right now a little turnover happy, but you see the upside and the potential that he can come in as a two guard and instantly impact your team um, and, and eventually transition over to the one over time because he is so young. July, July 28th. Okay, July. So, yeah, still. Uber yeah. young, uh, crazy upside you guys talked about. Defensively, can guard one through three uh, without a concern in my mind. And honestly, it just comes down to the fact that like the timeline works out because he's such a young guy, and you're going to have him under your control for so long. It's it's the perfect matchup for Dallas for like a cornerstone of their franchise. And I just want to mention, my memory isn't going to shit here. I know we record late at night, mm-hmm. and yep. my memory isn't going to shit. It was Rodrigo, Rodrigo Rodriguez Bobois, uh yeah, was, the, was the French point guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think Dallas might go back to that that, that French connection there because um, obviously Bobois, um was was very good for him. He just got injured and really you know wasn't able to reclaim what he what he had before. So I think Frank could be an interesting fit again. Six five, one seventy. We don't know his wingspan yet, mm-hmm. but around seven feet, seven one. Um, that's that's unreal. Well, and the thing that I look at, and it's Dave, you mentioned it, where you're like, well. You don't think he has the handles to come in. What they can do contract-wise is they can say, okay, Yogi, we've got the club option with you. We're going to pick that up. You're going to be the main point guard right now while Frank comes in and is kind of just underneath you. Because let's be honest, this team is not competing for anything next year. They're not com- They're not competing for a championship, look- which is the ultimate goal. Well, no. You might compete for like Dirk's going to drag seed, you close to an 8 but- it, they're At not competing best. for the ultimate goal, so they can bring in bring Yogi back to be the star starter, and then have Frank under him for that first. Ricky, year. There, we're looking at the, one of the best teams we've ever seen. No, I know. ever assembled. That and means that means the te- West is there's the three, West is one. There's three teams possibly, maybe even only uh, another team. There's there's pretty much the Cavs and Spurs that can pretty much compete with yep. the Warriors. I'm not saying that Dallas is going to win an NBA championship uh, drafting. And, Frank, uh, Frank, right away. We're thinking distant saying. future. Yes, if we're not the Spurs future. Or the Warriors. He could be a drafting um, stash as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. He doesn't yeah. need to be there day one. I think it's... he should though. I think it, I think it really help him. Anyways, yeah, um, let's move on now to the last pick in the top ten. This has been a long, long segment. You guys are getting the special, <laughs> the fast break special. The Sacramento Kings back on the clock here. Uh, my pick, and same with Dave. I'm surprised this we guy's coming. I'm surprised this guy's coming back on your board because you kind of trash talk him last time. I really don't him. like him, but I think that uh, he's the best player available at this point in time. <laughs> And, and he does fit. I mean, you look at Laurie Market and, and you look at where you know the, the Sacramento Kings currently are. Um, you look at the five spot, Willie Cauley-Stein, 
and uh, Giorgio's Papianis, our favorite player. Um, those guys are pretty much going to fit at that five. Then you look at Scale. That guy's a four. Um, and you you plug in Laurie. I mean, he's a guy that can really add some three-point shooting. I know Scale can really stretch it out a little bit. Um, but really, I mean, Laurie, I mean, this is a kid that is known for his three-point shooting. I think he could be a nice change of pace um, when looking at the Sacramento bigs. You look at Willie Cauley-Stein bringing his athleticism, his speed, his length. You look yeah, at Scale bringing his, bringing his offensive game. Um, and then you look at uh, Giorgio's Papagiannis, a guy that can really, you know, he's been able to stretch it out before, but a guy that I would really put inside and kind of show that old school kind of, uh, you know, working on the block and working <laughs> inside um, kind of offensive game. So you, you have a lot of different guys that you can plug and play, and I think that might work well with a guy that's versatile with Buddy Heald and, and Tieran Fox that I already drafted. So I think Laurie Markin is a perfect fit there. But, Ricky, you have a fresh face I to do. our top ten. I do. Explain and the pick. I've got Donovan Mitchell, and the reason being is I see him being drafted by the Kings here. And not drafted as the shooting guard, but as the point, the guy who is going to develop and improve to be the point guard next to Buddy Heal. Because he can already shoot, he's already got the defensive potential, but if you can get him to just kind of sure up those point guard skills to be next to Buddy Heal, this could be something in the future where... Buddy Heald can shoot. He can shoot. You add shooting more and more through and future have, draft who, picks. Who went for them at five for you? At five, I went with uh, Jason Tatum. Yeah, so very young. Yeah, not very young because Buddy Heald's the old man. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, no score I mean, to build around. And like Jason yeah. Tatum, he's not the, the shooting isn't his main thing, but he's the guy that can get into the lane and give you that scoring inside. So me, that's why Donovan Mitchell, not the one of the top point guards, but he's a guy that you can pick and develop into a point guard, maybe bring Collison and or Lawson back to kind of be there while he works on I, the I think that's the thing. Donovan Mitchell, if you drive him, probably, at least on that team, I think he'll probably be a guy that comes off the bench for you and you develop mm-hmm. him there, um, and you play a guy like they Collison so or, or Lawson there. They do. They have a ton that's, of guards. That's the thing. Like that, they have a ton of, they, really, they have a ton of players. Well, really I mean, small forwards are their I mean, position. Yeah. Collison and Lawson are up after, well, this free agency, so they can bring both of them back, they can bring one of them back, they can bring none of them back. Well, yeah, second round's, choice. Got, a, second round's yeah. got a lot of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, I, I like I, I like that, I just don't know if uh, Mitchell's a great fit as a future point guard for them. For me, I just want, like you said, Laurie Markkinen, he's, he's going to be like Ryan Anderson. The value of a stretch four in the NBA is very high, and at this point, it's you know, having that guaranteed, like, staple at your four. Mm-hmm. Um, even coming off the bench, if, I mean, like, I love scale, I think the scale Colley Stein thing is like a perfect four five. I don't know where Papa John's is really, to be honest with you. Like I haven't seen enough of him play. He he's still bad. he's super young. He wasn't bad. He, I'll give it to him. So I mean, it, it's more of a wait and see on him. So that's why I'm like, we can go ahead and grab another four, and then we've got our uh, first roster and second. Like we've got our two lineups of four mm-hmm. five locked in for the next couple of years, and we're happy with it. So. Yeah, I just think the value of a stretch four in the NBA, regardless of how terrible defensively is and how specialized he is. Well, and it's one thing too with the Kings. I mean, if you have two, you know, you have four players who can play, you know, the four and five. You know, if if one trails off or you know you have two guys competing for the same position, that gives you a lot of value. You can move those guys for different access and fill up your team more. So I think really Absolutely. loading up at that position where you can really uh, develop guys and, and fit your team and really throw a lot of different looks at teams. I think it could be very interesting for the Sacramento Kings. But anyways, let's move on now to picks eleven through twenty. We're kicking it off with the Charlotte Hornets. 
and I got a pick that I'm not too sold on, but I'm going to go with it anyways. Um, this is the first time that this guy's been so high in my mock for a while now. Um, he is Harry Giles out of Duke, a guy that has a lot of injury problems. It looks very slow at Duke. Did not look like the number one uh, high school prospect coming out um, back in 2016. Um, but you look at you know his potential, you look at his abilities. Again, number one high school prospect um, last year. I look at Harry Giles, maybe the injuries have subsided a little bit. Maybe he was just really taking it very easily at Duke because you know he knew that his NBA career was coming up. So I, I know Charlotte, it might be a, a tough pill to swallow, but I look at his ability if he does really play up to his potential, him and Kemba Walker be a nasty duo because I'm not too sold on Marvin Williams, a guy that was really if he had a nice season, uh, what last year or two years ago, um, and and was a decent stretch for, for uh, stretch for, but he wasn't anything special. I think Harry Giles could be something special if he's able to stay healthy. So Harry Giles may be a little bit too high, but let's go with Harry Giles and be a little bit bold I mean, on a five point. Some, sometimes you can uh, be bold on your picks, and he has upside. Like like you mm-hmm. said, there there's a reason he was the number one guy in high school. But there's a reason why he's not anymore, and he has True. no knees, literally none. Yeah, no knees, and I, I that's, I, I think it's good. He's he's definitely going to be in this team, like the the eleven to like probably twenty range for all of us. So I I think you're in the right area. I just feel like it's a hard reach for them to go for Harry right now. That's why Ricky and I both agreed on this mm-hmm. one. Uh, we went with Zach Collins, kind of a more for sure thing uh, coming out of Gonzaga. I think that he kind of fills out what they need down low in the post. So for me, it's more of we're going to sure up this position so much, we're not going to have to look back at this for the yeah. next five years. Like we're locked down. In this I mean, role. you got Cody Zeller's locked down. You got Frank down there. You can get Collins down there to where it's you look at it and go, yeah, we're not just drafting you for the center. We're drafting you for the low post, and you're going to help us out, not just on offense, but defense as well. I like Zach Collins a lot. Don't get me wrong. I like him better than Harry Giles. Easier pick. But I think a lot of people look at the potential of Harry Giles and think it might be a little bit uh, a little bit too much for people mm-hmm. to pass up. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I think Charlotte will probably go end up going with the safer pick because this was a playoff team last year, probably getting back to that same, uh, want to get back to that same place um, this year. I think Zach Collins will probably help them more uh, sooner rather than a guy like Harry Giles. But yeah. again, go bold why not you know we could we could all have Zach Collins going there we know his ability he could be a great stretch forward player he could be a decent player inside as well we've seen his defensive ability as well in Gonzaga and in the tournament he looked really good so I think it's it's a player that I, to- I totally would not disagree with you guys having at 11 uh, but let's move on now to Detroit a very uh, a team that I think ha- has really bad luck these here. last two picks like Charlotte and then Detroit I just literally looked at these and went what am I going to do? Well, what am I going to do? And sat there for like a half Detroit, hour. Detroit, I've been doing that since my like 3.0, 2.0, because <laughs> I, I have no idea. Um, really, Detroit, what they need is a point guard. But like mm-hmm. we've said, there are no point guards. Really, they the, missed if, out. Yeah. Unless, mm-hmm. unless if you want to reach him, Juwan Evans, uh, there is no point guard. You look at Reggie Jackson, again, a very selfish player, a guy that really struggled in his first full year in Detroit. He was really nice in the playoffs uh, when they went up against the Cavs, got swept. He was really nice what's coming over from OKC. But this year, for some reason, really didn't gel. This team looked really lackluster. They weren't able to move the ball at all. It was a really stagnant offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I look at this, you really need a point guard, but again, 12 is too far to be taking a point guard. There is no point guards available. But you got your uh, best available, yeah, pseudo best, best available. Best available, and again, we've talked about his potential, mm-hmm. possibly in town of Mitchell to turn into a one. I'm not really buying into that, but hell, if Van Gundy buys into it, thinks he can really develop Donovan Mitchell into a one, it might be a nice fit. But then again, he is a good defender, could turn into a good defender, good shooter, good 3 and D player at the worst. So Donovan Mitchell is the pick there at Detroit. Detroit needs three-point shooting, so Donovan Mitchell fits in. Donovan Mitchell, if he was there for me, because I had him going um, at number 10 to the Kings, if he was there, he could fit one of two positions. He can go with that point guard 
if you're sold on him developing into that. Or you can say, hey, you know what? We haven't really been kind of blown away by uh, Caldwell Pope. Coming up, he's a restricted free agent this year. Let's draft a guy who we think is going to eventually take over for the shooting guard position. That's why I got Luke Kanat out of Duke. And it's it's his shooting, what he brings offensively. He can also drive as well. And, I mean, like you said, there's no point guards available, so why not go and kind of replace a guy that I'm not really impressed with in Caldwell Pope. He's actually kind of an underrated passer as well. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, he doesn't get enough credit for that on that Duke team. Uh, I went with Donovan Mitchell, though. Uh, of course, wasn't on your board. But for me, Mitchell, as someone with, uh, unfortunately, he's, he's a very NBA-wise short player, uh, but he does have a long wingspan. I think he's like 6'10", 6'9". And... He's athletic, so really like, I'm not worried about him guarding at all. Like he, Defensively, between athleticism and wingspan, those are the two keys to here's the template for a good defender in the NBA. So not concerned there. The three-point shot, you said, it has gotten better as the season progressed. And actually, he didn't, you know, for me, it's more of a once that's a sure thing, yeah, it's find your true role. Are you going to be a tweener? Are you going to be a combo guard? Or are you going to be a true one or two? And I, I, any way you split it, like for Detroit, let them figure it out because mm-hmm. you can't go wrong either way in my mind with that pick. I feel like for sure he's going to be a, an NBA quality player for like the next decade. I just when you when you watch him play, it's like yeah, whatever it is, he's got it, and I absolutely love watching him play because it, it's kind of like a little, I don't want to say it's a spark because he doesn't have like that kind of like take over the game energy, but like he is a quality player and Detroit, I think perfect fit for him. Yeah, I think I think you look at uh, you, you mentioned Donovan Mitchell's athleticism, and Donovan Mitchell. I mean, he had one of the, the craziest highlights as well in, yeah. in college. He had that alley oop toss, and it wasn't even clean, but it was still absolutely nasty. I think I think you know pairing that with a young player um, and a young team already in Detroit. I mean, this is one of the youngest teams already, yeah. and they're sitting at twelve. It's just um, a question of like you know who who are they going to continue to build on because there's so much talk about losing faith in Drummond down low and the struggles at point guard and maybe the lack of developments from some of the other younger players so for me it's kind of a team kind of in a weird wish like not quite sure where they're going as a mm-hmm. franchise so I think Mitchell is kind of a great guy who's going to come and be a sure thing for them yeah I think I think it's interesting to see what Detroit does I still think they're in, in a rough situation there a team with a lot of expectations too because that was a team I had like what third in the Eastern Conference <laughs> uh, playoff prediction so you can see how wrong I was there uh, but let's move on now to Denver they're sitting at 13th spot and this is a position uh, really a team uh, that that has a lot of options uh, a team that um, obviously Danilo Gallinari is, is coming up on his contract uh, Wilson Chandler wasn't too happy in his spot in Denver as well I think his contract's running up as well mm-hmm. um, you look he's at Denver he's got a player option after next year player option thank you Ricky um, you look at Denver they're going to need to fill that small forward position I'm looking at OG Ananubi, uh, a guy that obviously um, had an injury problem but you look at his game when healthy he's athletic has uh, a really great great defensive side to him and, and he's really athletic um, obviously needs to work on a shot a little bit but there's still some hope there for OG so I really like OG at Denver at number 13 but you got a different player Ricky who you got well really it came down to I was going to take a small forward with this position and it was either between Ananubi and who I eventually had them taking in Justin Jackson. And the reason why I looked at the small four is, like you said, Wilson Chandler. I think he's going to opt out after next year because you look at the amount he's going to make if he takes that player option about 12.8 mil with how everything is skyrocketing. Opt out, maximize the money that you can get from a contract now. I don't think Denver's going to want to pay for it. And this is where you go, well, which one do we want? 
I'm kind of a little scared at 13 with the injury of Ananobi, and Jackson's a guy who can come in. He's a jack-of-all-trades and can kind of do a lot of things for me at that three position. Again, I, I talked about this before the podcast, and again, with the injury with OG Ananobi, he's like, where is Carmen in San Diego? We have no idea what's going around. There's no news about the guy's damn injury. We have no idea what he's doing. <laughs> we don't know if he's healthy. We don't even know if he has legs anymore. We don't know what's happening. Maybe he's turned to a cyborg. No maybe, news is good news. Maybe he's no. Maybe, <laughs> no, it's not. Maybe he's not even injured. Maybe this was all a joke. I have no idea. I don't know what's going on with OG. Dave, obviously you're not too scared as you also yeah. have OG there. No, I, I, think, I think the fit's great for him in Denver, and it's a team that... They already know where they're going, and it's direction of the team, and it's they have a solid core together, and it's a young core. They've got great guards coming up, and I, honestly, I think that OG just kind of is the, yeah, there's there's definitely a risk there because if his knee is not going to be healthy, and honestly, I don't expect him to play for like the first probably three months of this year, even if, like, best case scenario, because he got hurt in January, did he not? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's usually a full year to come back around mm-hmm. to get back to any sort of playing shape. So uh, for a player with his athleticism and, you know, the way he played so hard and aggressively, there's definitely a concern there about when he returns, will he have that quickness? Will he have that instant uh, first step? And there's concern, but at the same time, Denver at 13, the upside there, and knowing that you already have decent young players there, that, you know what, you don't have to rush it this year. We can let you come back for like the last month or two of the year, and that's totally fine with us. And I think one thing, too, you look at, you talk about OG uh, rehabbing. Uh, one one thing, the, the most recent thing to come up on him uh, and his injury, it says uh, it was from the vertical, uh, OG and Luby aggressively rehabbing uh, in effort to play in NBA next season. So um, obviously not going to be a guy that steps in right away. And yeah. if he is aggressively rehabbing, that might be crucial to either his growth or you know maybe he you know, re-injures that, uh, that ACL. So... It's going to be interesting to see what happens with OG and Luby. Again, the potential's there, but we'll see how much the injury actually affects him. But mm-hmm. let's move on now to Miami and Ricky. I'm going to give it off to you, a guy that has completely fallen off your board. Dave and I had him at 10. He's on the board. He's still in no, the lottery. I'm saying fallen <laughs> from, barely on your lottery. Uh, a guy that Dave and I had at 10. Uh, you have him making his appearance at 14. Mm-hmm. Talk about the pick and why he is a good fit. And that's Laurie Markkinen. And the reason why he's fallen is when I've had him in the top 10, it's been to kind of either Dallas or Sacramento, I didn't have them going in that way. And, I mean, Donovan Mitchell moving up into my top ten, someone's got to get bumped out. And this is, to me, Miami is a good fit for marketing because I look at their like power forward situation, not sold on Babbitt. I mean, Haslam, eh. Josh Roberts, Chris Bosh not on the team anymore. They need a power forward. And Laurie Markkinen, in some sort of way, I'm not going to say it's an exact comparison, can be that guy maybe fit a similar role that Chris Bosh used to fit offensively when they originally signed him and give them some de- some depth and some three mm-hmm. from that four position. And Dave, you know, looking at your yeah, pick for yeah. Miami, we'll talk about it a little bit. I, I completely agree with you. If Markkinen is like the dream scenario for mm-hmm. Miami, TJ Leaf. Is, is next up, yep. though. He, he's the next four on the board who has the ability to stretch the floor out. He's a great shooter. Um, Can pass. Good, good passing, passable rebounder. Defensively, he's not going to stop anybody. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It, that team, when you have someone like Hassan Whiteside down low for you, if they blow by you, good luck. Good <laughs> luck getting past Hassan Whiteside. Uh, so, honestly, I love the fit there, and he gives them a good chunk of scoring to match up if they do decide to re-sign Deion mm-hmm. Wynn. Dion Waiters, or if they make any other big splashes in free agency this year, I think is a great piece who, you know, 
will will absolutely complement them and help them stretch out this floor and kind of find that staple at the four. Like you said, you know, due to injuries and due to uh, health concerns, they haven't really had that four for two years now. So it's really up to him to come in and be the guy. And I, I do have some faith in that. And we all have you know similar lines of thinking. Stretch four, or you know, a guy to fit the four, stretch uh, stretch the four out a little bit. Obviously, with Hassan Whiteside's uh, lack uh, of of being able to do that. But you know, this is a guy that you guys had going at eleven. I have Zach Collins going at fourteen. I think it could be a very interesting fit. A guy that's not too bad at uh, defensively. Um, you know, him and Whiteside could be a good pair down low. You also look at his ability to stretch out the floor if he can do that successfully in the NBA. I think Zach He'll Collins could be on three line. Yeah, I think Zach Collins could be a very nice fit there in Miami for the reasons you guys said about Laurie Marketing and TJ Leaf. Mm-hmm. I just think that uh, Zach Collins might be a little more polished and and a little you know he, he's he's bigger. Um, he has more of an NBA body than TJ Leaf. So I think, yeah. I think that he you know we, there might be a draw on the athleticism there. But with a guy like um, uh, you know Hassan Whiteside, you really don't need that much athleticism uh, paired next to him. I think Zach Collins is a better all-around player, uh, but still, I think we're going along the same lines. Stretch four for Miami might be the best fit for them. Let's move on to 15. The Portland Trailblazers, the first team outside of the library. I was going to say library. Um, <laughs> lottery. Um, and I got T.J. Leaf. Shh, we're at the library, Sean. I got T.J. Leaf going to Portland for the main reasons you guys said. A lot of athleticism, a guy that can shoot, a guy that you know can really develop because you know he got a lot of brush off from Lonzo Ball, a guy mm-hmm. that can really be a nice distributor. You look at Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, they could set up him uh, for outside shots as well. T.J. Leaf's a guy that can do it from the outside. He also has a lot of athleticism to drive into the lane and you know be a guy who aggressively attacks the back basket. So I think TJ Leaf would be a nice fit next to a guy like Nurkic, next to CJ McCollum, next to um, Dame Lillard. And I think really the next spot they need to fix is, is small forward at there. And Ricky, you kind of address that. I, there. I agree with you in that part. And the thing I find the most interesting about the Trailblazers and their roster for next year, not only is their total cap right now, according to SpotRack, at a $140 million, almost $141 million. They only have three guys this um, coming into this offseason that they can cut, and it's not guaranteed money in Quarterman, Connaughton, and uh, Festus. So to me, I look at this, they have three picks. This is the first one of three. I'm just going to warn you right now. It's going to keep a trend and a theme for me. Go with OG. Get that spot. But it's one of those things where, hey, you know what? We might not have that open spot for you right now, Rehab that injury. We'll be here when you're ready, and then just boom, move forward. Mm, very yeah. interesting there. Dave, yeah, I mean, I am in the same line of thinking as far as take a player with uh, potentially high upside. There's just no spot for him. Risk injury is is the thing. So. OG, yeah, there's not really a spot mm-hmm. for him day one, and I think they're going to end up shuffling some contracts around. Like you said, they are quite high and going to end up in the luxury tax multiple years in a row, it looks like. Uh, for me, it's Harry, though. I'm going with a man with no knees. On the odd chance that he has uh, the comeback potential, like he, he would have been a top-five pick if he had stayed healthy and shown anything to us at Anything at Duke really hit them um, that one that one game at Wake Forest or you know it, it, at Cameron Indoor Stadium against Wake Forest uh, and he put up like 15 points but just standing next to the basket. Yeah, I mean like it's a guy who you're gonna have to develop his outright game, but he has the physical body to be an NBA stud and and absolutely would be phenomenal. So you're gonna take a flyer on him at 15 Portland because you do have 
three picks in this first round, which is huge for you because mm-hmm. you're going to need young talent to help fill out this roster as you move bad contracts out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Portland does because, again, you talk about a, a big bad contract there is is uh, Alan Crabb there. I mean, you sign a guy to a huge extension there in Portland and then he puts up the same amount of points. There's no growth in, in, in his game. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what Portland does with their cap. But they do have a lot of picks and they do have a lot of ways to address their team. But let's move on to uh, some team in Chicago. I don't know if you guys are fans da or not. Bullshit. Da Bulls. Uh, we're going to 16. And Ricky, I'll let you talk about your team first off. Chicago Bulls at 16. Who are they picking and why? Well, the first thing that I think we need desperately is shooting. But we need shooting and we need someone that's going to actually fit the Fred Hoiberg system, not like old vets that don't fit the system as well as some. I'm you mean Rondo shouldn't packs. be our best three-point I mean, shooter? Rondo shouldn't be. D-Wade, I know he said in Game of Zones he developed a three-point shot, but I didn't see it at all. The big thing I look at is Nico. Nico's a restricted free agent this year, and I wouldn't be mad if he walked. Would not be mad if we lost him all together, because who am I going to take? TJ Leaf, for all the reasons Dave said. He can shoot. He can pass. Yeah, he's not going to be the best defender for us, but you know what? We don't need him to play defense. We just need somebody who can shoot, and I'll even take it at the four, because Nico... I think it was, what, April? If it was an April game, Nico's good to go. Yeah, Otherwise, the... <laughs> Nico's not good to go. Yeah, both, both Nico and Bobby Portis. It was like, mm-hmm. one of the two players will actually show up for you tonight if you're in the last month of the year. That That is the <laughs> asterisk around both of them. You have to circle both. Like, 50-50 odds, one of the two will play. The other one sucks horribly. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. They need to stretch out the floor. It's all about getting into the NBA game that is today, which is that mm-hmm. three-point shot has such value, and that's why I'm going Kanad. I love this guy, and I love saying his Luke name. Luke Kanad. Um, is look, he from Massachusetts? Probably no. not. Okay. <laughs> we just, I, I love to do it. Um, look, he, he was a stud on Duke. He did. He kind of stepped up because you he's know, from he's, Ohio. He's a, he was a sophomore. Hey, he was, he was a, a Ohio Basketball Player of the Year. And mm-hmm. I think there's some weird stat that links him and LeBron together. Of course. Of course there is. Um, look, he was a stud at Duke. He, he came in there, and he didn't take over his freshman year. Came back second year and really developed into a pretty well-rounded player. I mentioned earlier when Ricky had him going 12 to Detroit. You know, he's a, he's a great scorer from the outside. He's okay with the ball in his hands, and, you know, he doesn't absolutely stop an offense. He keeps the momentum rolling around him, so... Really, the thing for this Bulls team is D Wade's contract. We all know what it is, and you got to move forward with your franchise. You got to start playing for the future. You so got one more year with D Wade. Yep. For me, you got you got to go out and get Kennard, and then having him at the two, Jimmy at the three. Mm-hmm. I feel really confident. Maybe Bobby Porter will learn to play for a whole year. That'd be that'd be a really got, good lap. I got forward. a question for you then, because Kennard would come in as a shooting guard. Yes. What do you do at Valentine then? Are you scrapping Valentine, or are you finding a place? I mean, for him? Valentine. We still have to watch him develop. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with Kennard. I, I think there's no concern. Like Valentine was drafted as a tweener. We didn't see any real growth out of him. I know there was the struggle of do you play the rookies or mm-hmm. do you go for the veterans and go for the playoff push. So there's a lot of mixed uh, management in Chicago, uh, which led to a lot of poor development of players over the last. Four or five years, well, four years, and I, I think Valentine is a wait and see player. He'd go down in the D League and kill it for a little bit. He'd come up and be absolutely the worst player on the floor, bar none, by the eye test. Like you mm-hmm. didn't have to look up at the scoreboard. So I feel like you go out, get Canard, get someone who, honestly, it's kind of like a McDermott replacement in my mind, except for the fact that he has better potential than McDermott at this point in time because we've we've seen where McDermott got held up at the NBA level. Canard doesn't have the same liabilities against him. And going back to Kennard, he was a two-time uh, uh, Mr. Ohio uh, basketball in his junior and senior year. He finished second 
uh, in Ohio high school basketball scoring behind John Diebler. So uh, apparently I mixed up uh, LeBron James and Ohio State great John <laughs> Diebler. Uh, LeBron the fifth all time. Uh, anyways, let's move on now, getting away from uh, uh, Luke Kennard and uh, LeBron James for some reason. Uh, 17 Milwaukee, team wingspan. Uh, I'm adding on to that. Jared Allen, uh, a big guy down there. Uh, I think, you know, Greg Monroe, he wasn't terrible, to be honest with you, um, this year. He wasn't, he wasn't terrible, especially in the, in the latter half of that season, and especially in the postseason. I mean, Greg Monroe had a decent year, um, but you look at this team, they're going to need to replace Greg Monroe at some at some point. I think Jared Allen's going to be a nice fit there. He's a guy that can be really fluid offensively, a guy that's great defensively. Again, he brings the speed, he brings some um, uh, defensibility as well, adding to team wingspan. I think that Jared Allen is a perfect fit there, um, pairing with Don Maker, pairing with Giannis Antetokounmpo, pairing with uh, possibly Delhi or Brogdon or uh, Chris Middleton as well, and Jabari when he comes back. I think adding to adding to this team, um, Milwaukee's are, are going to be you know really adding on to their youth and, and their wingspan and, and really this potential of this team. Yeah, I mean, there were two, because I, I got the same pick. I got Allen as mm-hmm. well. There were two thought processes that went through my head. First off was Allen or Collins, and I looked at it and I was like, you know what? They need a five more than a four. I could see Collins fitting that four spot. He's out. Then it went to, okay, they need a center, Allen or Patton, because Patton's a guy who there have even been um, things that I've seen that there are teams above Milwaukee that are looking at Patton and wouldn't be surprised if they get drafted above Milwaukee. So I'm like, I'm looking at the two, and I'm like, you know what? They already got Fon, who's kind of on the depth chart as that five right now. Not really that rim protector. Jared Allen can be that rim protector for mm-hmm. you down low. That's fair, and and I do. I think we all agree. You know, center is definitely the, mm-hmm. the core hole on this team. And like you said, Thon was playing the five, but it was more of like a ceremonious, like yeah. starting five, rather than you know, like you're a true fit to our system going mm-hmm. forward. That's why I went with the wingspan of seven, six and a quarter of Ike and Avogu. And look, the dude is raw. No, no doubt in my mind. Like he still has to pick up a lot of the game, and it will take some time for him to be comfortable in the NBA system. But the little bit you saw out of him, and it's a small sample size, but also knowing that he has such a potential to grow to. Mm-hmm. So for me, raw product, crazy wingspan, and the fact that he's still is so young, like this has Milwaukee written all over it for me. When you look at Ike, though, and, and you look at him, uh, you you look at a team that he was on in UCLA. Would you say that? Being on UCLA, UCLA either helped his his stock or hurt his stock because maybe he wasn't getting enough playing time because there was guys ahead of him uh, that that you know were were at least better athletes or you know were used to the Alfred system. Or do you think that hurt? Uh, do you think it benefited or hurt him really? Uh, I think situation? it definitely benefited him. The thing with UCLA is they because they were a complete team and you had a you had a real system and you had correct role players playing. I feel like. It was, you kind of know, like, in college football where it's, like, the pro-style offense versus, you know, you're running Texas Tech mm-hmm. bullshit where you're throwing 400 the yards a game every five minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like Ike had, like, as close to a real, like, quality NBA experience from a team going to UCLA. And I think that playing around guys who have NBA-level talent like Lonzo Ball, like Leaf, that you're going to get a better product out of him because he was able to learn from guys who have a deeper understanding of the game. I don't know. I think it'd be interesting with Ike because, you know, you kind of get the rub off. You know, you, you say you're getting a rub from playing with good players. Maybe it could be beneficial. I think it also might hurt him. Maybe his stock is rising because he was from UCLA. But again, you look at the kind of base uh, line of him. You look at the uh, kind of blueprint of him. Big player, oh, long wingspan. Dude, 6'10", 7'6", wingspan, and he's still 18. It fits for Milwaukee. I mean, it really does. It fits for yeah. Milwaukee. I mean, with with the last pick of Thonmaker. So it's going to be interesting to see 
see what Ike happens there. I think Jared Allen just might be more of a safe pick. I think that's why Ricky and, and I great have him going with yeah. yeah. So let's let's see. Anyways, let's move on now to Indiana. Uh, we have familiar faces for me at least. Uh, my o- most overrated prospect, but still going to be going 18. Justin Jackson. Ricky said uh, a jack of all trades can play uh, offensively. Going to be a, a pretty decent three and D player. Um, I, I don't know really. You know, you look at Indiana's situation with, with PG 13. Um, maybe at least trying to get something there um, at the small forward position because he is an older player. He is a senior coming out. Um, maybe he can step in at least be uh, not a stopgap for for Paul George, but at least be something that might be serviceable um, his first year. Not, definitely not going to give you the level of production that a superstar like uh, PG-13 will give you, but Justin Jackson can at least be serviceable serviceable out of that small forward position. I don't know if he's going to be growing too much out of that. I think he'd be a really good 3 and D player, but I don't think he's going to be taking it to the next level of a superstar, all-star, anything like that. But I think Justin Jackson could still be a decent player um, at Indiana. But, Ricky, looking at them, you're going big for, yeah. uh, for Indiana. And the main reason why I'm going big is because Let's be honest, at this point in the draft, how if you guys have followed how my picks have been going, there's no guy there that you're going to be like, yep, can step in and fill in for Paul George when he leaves. Not if he leaves, when he leaves. And the other position that I look at, Thaddeus Young. He's another one after next season. We'll have a player option. We'll probably opt out of that to try to, yet again, capitalize on the cap just to get more money. Question is, is Indy going to want to play him? Plus... At the end of next season, Al Jefferson, another big who, yeah, he's got that $10 million for 18-19, but it's not guaranteed. So they can cut him, not have to pay it. That is two bigs that could be gone and not re-signed. That's why I'm going to go with the best big right now on my board who can fit that power forward spot, and that's John Collins, an older kind of uh, player, not the one-and-done, can come in, had great coaching, I'm going to say, with Daniel Manning at Wake Forest, and you can come in and know that he's a really coachable player at the four. And Dave, you're kind of on the same way, way like as me going small forward here, yep. kind of small forward, power forward, hybrid here. Uh, one, of, one guy you're really high on, so talk about your pick. Yeah, uh, so I really love Tyler Lydon. Uh Coming out of Syracuse, I think the... Gladden Lydon. Gladden Lydon. I think the case can kill it uh he's a 50 40 80 shooter like his split so like solid shooter in college um honestly it's more of the question of like in in today's nba you said a small forward power forward it's it's guards wings and bigs like it's it's mm-hmm. positionless play at this point i really trust him going forward he's got a good body good frame and his shooting stroke is like beautiful for mm-hmm. me like i think he is probably one of the most underrated guys in this draft i know uh, there have been mocks out there with him going as late as like 30 to 35 range. Uh, but personally, I think he's, I'm really high on him, and I think he will succeed at the next level. The big question for him is defensively if he'll be able to keep up because he didn't see uh, a top-tier competition every night in mm-hmm. college. So that's kind of the big question mark. But honestly, it's something that you can kind of grow with because he has the body and the frame. So I'm not uber worried about that. Tyler Ladden at 18, I, I agree with you. I think that he's too low when, when people say 30, 35, second rounder. I, I think Tyler Ladden's definitely a for sure first rounder. Uh, we'll see how he develops so defensively. But let's move on now to Atlanta, hot Atlanta. Uh, we all have the same player going here. So mm-hmm. um, Ricky, Dave, whoever wants to take it or both want to take it, explain the pick of Justin Patton from Creighton going to hot Atlanta. I'm just going to say it. I mean, Dwight Howard's not going to be there forever. He's getting up in age. And, I mean, Justin Patton could be a guy you draft and let Dwight Howard, like who could be one of the better stars in this league to learn from and have him give minutes. I don't know if he's a star anymore. I, I would say he's, he's one of the stuff, pretty yeah. big figures in this league, although he's not going him. 
to win a title, he's still a star in this league. Not a superstar, but a star in this league. And we will do that when we do position rankings again. So I will <laughs> Ooh, wait. I can't wait. They'll just have to wait for that. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Justin Patton, uh, a guy that really is, is terribly defensively. So hopefully Dwight Howard mm-hmm. can rub a little bit off of that. Uh, early Dwight Howard can rub a little bit off of that on him. But really look at the offensive potential with Justin Patton. He looks fantastic, at least on that standpoint. Well, let's move on out to Portland. Their second appearance here in the NBA draft. And we all have familiar faces, just guys flipped around that have gone before. Uh, for Portland, I have them going with Ike and Igbogu. Uh, I think we I think we're two for two on that last name uh, tonight, and and kind of <laughs> we'll see uh, if we go three for three because I got them later. I think with what Dave was saying, uh, agree. I, I agree with that. I was just you know playing devil's advocate here. I think that he did learn a lot from UCLA. He's a guy with a lot of potential. He has the body, he has the frame. I think he can be a very interesting player. And plus, he doesn't need to play right away in Portland because you have Nurkic, you have TJ Leaf, who they just drafted. Um, at least in my, in my mock draft, I think there's a lot of potential and a lot of time for Ike to grow, and especially mm-hmm. pairing him with a guy like TJ Leaf, who we already was teammates before having that kind of familiarity i think that could help him develop uh ricky you have uh injury prone oh uh, yeah portland, portland don't hate me because i know uh sean, two two. Had, sean had mentioned before the podcast greg odin brandon roy i'm going with another guy with knee injuries but it's just because of your situation of we can draft a guy and not expect him to start this year and kind of ease his way with the injury, Harry Giles. It's another kind of sim- similar situation to Ananobi where it's like, you know what? I love the potential that's there, especially at this pick. We just don't have room. We don't have any room. We've got three guys that we can cut if we want to. We just got too many contracts on this roster. Fair enough. And I've got John Collins, uh, you know, Defensively, man, nobody wants to deal with that. But uh, offensively, he, he's a great finisher at the rim. He's not going to pass the ball. He's a closer. He, he takes the ball, and it's going in the hoop. End of story. So I think Portland, it's it's your backup pick in case because I had Harry Giles going at 15. So if he doesn't pan out, you've got another guy who can go into that small forward and, or power forward. And that's going to wrap up our top 20. I think all fair picks. I don't think anything's too crazy. Ricky's not saying a mm-hmm. uh, six, nine guy can play uh, the two. I think I think we had a pretty good segment here. But let's move on to picks 21 through 30. We'll kick it off with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And looking at this, they have a variety of places to go. But the place that I think we are all going is shooting. That's why I got Terrence Ferguson going, a guy that is very young, a guy that was a top high school prospect, but then went overseas to Australia. The uh, he's thunder a, going down under. Sorry, thund- I had to. Thunder going down under. Uh, you look at, it's, uh, what, it's Stephen Adams is New Zealand. Yes. Yeah, so there you go, going back down under. Uh, Terrence Ferguson, you look at him, uh, he's a guy 6'7", uh, doesn't have a long wingspan, but he has the ability to be a shooter, has the ability to be a scorer. I think it'd be interesting playing uh, playing him with Russ, maybe be able to create some shots, maybe get some open looks uh, down the road. I don't think he's going to be a guy that starts right away. He's a guy that's a little bit iffy. Mm-hmm. Um, probably going to be back up at, uh, back up Roberson, um, or, or probably back up Oladipo, really, with his size. Um, but it could be interesting to see what Ferguson turns into. It's a, it's a pick that I like for them because Ferguson does have a lot of potential if he's able to hit that mark. But we haven't really seen a lot of guys that go from uh, high school to overseas back to the NBA really succeed. You look at Moody, Brandon Jennings, those guys really haven't had the best of NBA careers. But Terrence Ferguson is the pick at 21 for me. But, Ricky, who you got? I'm going shooting at the power forward position, and that is uh, Glyden Leiden. And the main reason being is they have two power forwards, Taj and Collison, who are unrestricted free agents. Taj, I expect him not to re-sign with the Thunder. I have him going somewhere else, no matter where it is, probably maybe the Minnesota Timberwolves to reunite with Thibodeau. And also Collison, he's 36. Do you really want a 36-year-old Collison as your power forward, or do you want to draft a guy who can be a knockdown shooter at the four and taking Tyler Lydon? 
And Dave, who you got? And that's fair. And I've got Justin Jackson. You know, you you said he was most overhyped player for you, mm-hmm. and I've got him falling the farthest. Um, look, he he can be a three and D player, decent shooter, and and okay defensively. Uh, he he's tough, but he's also like a player who had to learn how to shoot. So like, I think we see. I don't know how much more potential there's out there for him. It's a very thin uh, floor ceiling ratio for him. So. I think he could fit right in on this uh, OKC team and provide them with, like you said, outside shooting, give him another scoring option. He's not going to light up all day, but he'll be able to get contribute a decent amount of points for you. And be a guy that brings up a, a lot of pose to this team, poises to this team as well, a guy that has gone to two straight national championships, mm-hmm. just won one, a guy that was the leader of um, North yes. Carolina, and a guy that really um, stepped up his game as well. You see the intake and the uptick. Um, in his three-point percentage from year to year. So it was nice growth from Justin Jackson and a well-deserved uh, first-round uh, kind of Absolutely. picks for him as well. I mean, 21, if that's the furthest you're following, that's not a bad paycheck. Yep. Let's move on now to 22, Brooklyn. Uh, I have a familiar face in John Collins going to the Nets. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, he's a sophomore. Um, he's a guy that, you know, really had a really nice season um, at Wake Forest, but he wasn't a guy that really lit it up as a freshman. He's a guy that's really interesting. I think, though, he could fit well next to a Brooklyn Lopez if they keep him um, at, at the power forward position. He could be good offensively. So it's going to be um, interesting to see what happens with John Collins. Uh, but re- let's go to Dave. Dave, you got a familiar face that uh, we had going to Milwaukee. Why is yep. Jared Allen the pick there in uh, Brooklyn? I, I like Allen. I just think that as far as his game goes, he is a staunch defender down low, rim protector, decent finisher with his dunks. Uh, honestly, the thing for this team is you need some backup to Brooke Lopez. And honestly, Lopez, Backup or replacement because you trade him. <laughs> Apples and oranges. It's a tough uh, contract to move. Look. Twenty-one mil for Brooke Lopez. I mean, he's a yeah. great player, and he's that Obviously. three-point shot that he's grown mm-hmm. is is invaluable. Having a five who can shoot the three mm-hmm. at his level is fantastic. So you bring in someone like Jared Allen who can complement and get that defensive presence down low and soak up boards. Which, no offense, but that's kind of where Brooke Lopez has gotten a lot of shit from in his career. Yeah, and I mean, with me, I'm going with the center as well. I actually. On the fly right now, had to change it because I had Justin Patton. I'm like, well, that can't happen. Already had him off the board. <laughs> so I got to go with Ike and Abogu, and it's just, you know what, take the best center that's available at that point and then figure out what you're going to do with the 27th pick as well. Do you think he is the best center available? Because I, I, know, I know you got Bam out I there as well. I like him better than Bam, and it's mainly because of what Dave said, where it's, he to me, much... More solid than Bam, and because both of them have that argument of they both played with NBA talent with Lonzo Ball, TJ Leaf on the UCLA side. Bam did Kentucky get more Kentucky also had. I just, with me, I like, when I look at them, I like Anabogu better than I like Bam. Interesting to, to, to look into. I, th- I think the biggest thing is potential. You haven't really seen mm-hmm. Ike hit his potential where, bam, you kind of see that 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 floor, that ceiling, where uh, you look at Ike, you really can determine what his uh, floor and And if you've looked at be. my mock draft, usually I have those guys that have the higher growth potential. The bigger yeah. growth, you I lean have towards that upside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's move on now to 23, though. Toronto playoff team obviously got swept by the Cavs. I just like saying that. Uh, we'll talk about them and, and a familiar face again, Tyler Lydon going to them. Uh, PJ Tucker's contract's running up. I think he could be a good guy to help space the floor for Toronto. Really don't have to go into much depth into this. Obviously, not a great defensive player, but maybe he can develop into a nice 3 and D player. I think for a playoff team like Toronto, Tyler Lydon could be a nice fit on this Raptor team um, at some point. He might be, even play, be able to play right 
away for that Toronto team. But I think Tyler Ladin could be a nice fit up north uh, for the Toronto Raptors. But Ricky, you have a uh, a new entry to this uh, NBA mock draft. No, I do, and it's going to be Jawan Evans. And I look at it basically right now on this is what do you think? I know Kyle Lowry met with Dwayne Casey and DeMar DeRozan in the Bay Area this past week, but we still are unsure about where is he going to go. Is he going to be a Spurs? Is he going to be a Raptor? Is he going to go somewhere else? And right now I am leaning towards Kyle Lowry being swayed away from Toronto and moreover to the western side because I would look at the Spurs and say, hey, you know what? If Kawhi didn't go down, they could have challenged the Warriors. I look at Toronto. What did Sean just say? We got swept by the King. So let me go over to the West, and then Toronto says, you know what? We need that point guard taking Jawan Evans. And this is a nice spot for him. Not too high, not too low. And Dave, you have a familiar face that I I just mentioned. Uh, Why is this pick a fit for Terrence Ferguson? Yeah, I I like Ferguson here because he is still fairly raw, like you said. He's still growing his game, but what he can be is an effective shooter and a solid defensive player because he does have pretty good size for his position. Um, I could see him easily going, you know, one to three guard, no problem. Um, And honestly, like this Toronto team, it's more so about trying to fill in those gaps for your team and watching what's the reason you guys lost to uh, the Cavaliers in the playoffs. I almost said the Kings after you said King. <laughs> uh, what's the reason you lost to the Cavs in the playoffs? And you know what? After LeBron James, you have to find other answers. Like it's you can't just throw your hands up and be like, oh, it's just LeBron James. Like we couldn't beat him. It's you have to actually attack this kind of analytically and look at your team. And be like, what pieces? What do we need to move? What do we need to pick up? And I think uh, Terrence Ferguson is a step in the right direction there. And let's move on now to the 24th pick. We got the Utah Jazz, and this is a pick that I kind of struggle on because Utah is a very deep team. Um, Obviously, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Gordon Hayward and his contract situation. We talked about, uh, we've been hearing that Miami has now been making a big play for them. So now Miami, Boston, and Utah seem like Mm -hmm. the three likely landing spots for Gordon Hayward. Uh, But taking into the fact that I think that he most likely will re-sign with Utah, I have them going with Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, the international player uh, from, I believe, Germany. Um, but But he's from overseas. He's, uh, he's a guy that's very tall, uh, can be a very fluid player, a guy that might be able to stretch it out. He's, he's a raw prospect, going to be a draft and such, uh, but he can be a player that might be able to be able to take over um, next to Gobert and hopefully be more of an offensive producer uh, outside of you know Gobert just grabbing offensive boards and putting it back. Um, I think Hartenstein could be a very interesting player for Utah. I think developing him in that uh, kind of uh, area, developing him in that situation could be uh, very valuable to his growth, and especially he's a guy that doesn't need to contribute right away, and the Jazz really don't need to lean on him or feel like they need to play him right away because mm-hmm. he is such a young player, and he isn't that developed. So Isaiah Hartenstein is the guy for me. He does have a lot of potential, so I think that's a nice pick that for them at 24. Uh, but Ricky, you got Terrence Ferguson going. Yeah, I mean, and the reason why I got Ferguson is it's kind of a similar situation to Indiana. Mentioned with Indiana, Paul George, oh, he's going to leave yeah, but you're not going to find his pseudo-replacement where they were. Now, I'm not saying that the Utah Jazz are in that same predicament. However, they're in a better spot, too, because I'm on the other side. I think Hayward's leaving. Whether it's Boston, whether it's Miami, he's going to be courted away from Utah, from Salt Lake City. And Terrence Ferguson's a guy, yeah, he's a long-term prospect, streaky shooter, but he's a guy that you can draft and say, you know what? We can draft him, and he can be the project to be that shooting guard for us in the future because 
Gordon Hayward's gone, and I don't know mm-hmm. if we're going to be able to bring in anybody from free agency to really fill that hole like he had. And Dave, you yeah. and I are on the same uh, wavelength with Hartenstein. Why do you like him uh, for Utah? Uh, I, I just think that Utah, again, drafting stash, like you said, the roster's pretty well filled out at this point in time. For me, it's more of what could he be down the road? And seven-footer with his ability, his um, sh- the, the thing is he's growing his shot out further, and that's something you want to keep a close eye on. As long as he can keep uh, moving back further and further and spreading out that offense, like you'll be in a pretty good position. So for me, it's a seven-footer with potential growing range on his shot, and he's still pretty smooth for his body size. So look, he's 19, seven-foot tall. It's not a big question mark there. Just let him grow. See where he goes up the next couple of years. And, and again, you don't need to plug him in right away. And I think that's the, the nice thing for Utah. You don't need to rush anywhere. This is a team that already made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. A team that's still very young and still growing. So Hartenstein could be really uh, entered in once he's fully developed into a team that's already kind of set in stone um, over in Utah. But let's move on to 25. Orlando, their second entry here on the mock draft. And uh, my first pick is one of uh, Dave's favorite players. And we got Bam uh, out of Kentucky, a guy that's you know 6'9" pretty much like a bowling ball Mack truck type of situation a guy that can be able to grab boards put the ball back up not really do much for you outside of that if you can develop defensively he could be a very interesting pick but I think that's going to be a nice pair because um, Eric Gordon isn't the toughest of players Nikola Vucevic isn't the toughest players adding that toughness down low with Bam I think could really bolster this team and especially playing uh, under a coach like um, uh, Frank Vogel I think that can really help Bam's defensive development and hopefully he could be a guy that can grab boards offensively and and, and put back uh, shots and he's he's a guy similar uh, size uh, to Tristan Thompson doesn't have the same wingspan as TT but still he could be a guy that can really develop and I think at 25 it's a nice value pick there for the Orlando Magic Um, Dave you're on the same wavelength again and I like like the Tristan Thompson comparison and I like the value considering where Tristan Thompson went and I think went four I mean it's it's someone who has the athleticism and the power to be like a legitimate five, but the, he has the height. Unfortunately, he's he's capped out at like six nine, I think, right now. Um, so yeah, you're gonna have a little bit of problem against true uh, seven footers in this league. But his body size is pretty good for what it is. I, I think he's an explosive player uh, when he has the ball in his hands. I know he relied heavily on the dunk in college, so he'll need to learn to grow that shot a little bit. You can't be entirely relying mm-hmm. on that in the NBA. Otherwise, you're going to run into some real big problems down low. Uh, but, yeah, I think value-wise, fantastic pickup for Orlando. And, again, it's somebody who, if he had been 7 feet tall, he would have been a top-10 pick. Like, mm-hmm. snap your fingers, it's done. So, great value. Uh, he's a hard worker, and I, I love guys coming out of Kentucky because you know they're getting the best uh they have the best players around them, but well, they also have the best staff up, with them. Yeah. Their, their coach sets them up for the NBA. That Absolutely. is the that is the goal when you go to Kentucky yep. is to be groomed by Calipari to go to the NBA. Absolutely. And and looking at this pick mm-hmm. uh for you, talking about groom for the NBA, you, mm-hmm. you're still, you know, with a great coach here, um, in Roy Williams. So you got Tony Bradley from North Carolina going to Orlando. How does it fit? Well, I mean, if you notice both of my picks to Orlando, there is one key thing that both of them do well. And it fits into Frank Vogel, and that's defense. And I mean, Tony Bradley, the thing that makes him most intriguing to me is that he's a long mobile center with a high IQ, but I really look at that defense. And he's a guy that has huge defensive like potential. Mm-hmm. And yet again, Frank Vogel, he's a guy that likes defense. I see him after taking Isaac in the early first, looking at Tony Bradley and going, hey, you know what? 
Let's go with Bradley, and I can work with that defensive potential to make you a monster down low in the paint. And coming up next is Portland uh, again. Uh, this is the third appearance for them. Um, and, and they've taken so many players that are mm-hmm. NBA ready or at least can be on the NBA team for them. So 26, I have them going with Radonis Kurks, uh, a guy, uh, international player. I think he's been playing with Barcelona. Um, he's a guy that has a lot of potential, but again, he is very young. A guy that I think is a draft and stash. Again, mm-hmm. you don't really know what his true skills and potential is um, because he is still developing. He's a guy that um, can is decent at handling the ball, uh, a guy that you know isn't going to be um, anything special special right away so I think drafting stash you can really develop and, and see what he can turn into and, and the player that he can really develop into so I think it's going to be a, a nice pick for Portland because you just take two players that are um, NBA ready are going to be on your NBA team and like Dave mentioned there's a lot of cap issues with that so getting a guy at drafting stash you can put him out um, back in Spain or wherever you want to put him I think it might be a nice fit for them and Ricky you're on the same uh, yeah, I mean, wavelength for me the big thing is is like I said they have not a lot of expiring contracts coming into this offseason and this is something where they can just draft them and say, okay, RK, stay uh, stay overseas. We'll call you over when we're ready. And Dave, you're on a different idea with from You're going point guard because you think they need a backup point guard. Yeah, honestly, for me, it's that lack of depth. I know you're not going to have uh, the gruesome twosome, the, the, the two mm-hmm. best guard. Well, the second best pair of guards, <laughs> third best pair of guards. They're up there. Look, I know they're not going to be off the court often, but getting someone like Jawan Evans really helps balance out this roster and lets you have a little bit of comfort going forward. I know they're locked down long-term, but it's still that like you always have to continue picking what your team needs. And I'm very comfortable with them having this many picks in this draft. Like every one of these picks, I feel really good about. Mm -hmm. I know the first two were going after fours, you know, one with potential for injury, one with some pretty good upside though to match out. So you have a good balance at point guard getting someone like Juwan Evans. I know he's like the next, next point guard because you have that, considerable mm. drop off but i still see a lot of value in him and i think that he could come in and actually not be a terrible backup point guard in the nba like within his first two years i'd be very comfortable with him at least more comfortable than what you have currently and coming up next is brooklyn at 27 their second appearance for here and uh again Juwan evans you talked about him uh so recently you look at uh brooklyn you have dinwiddie you have jay lynn but there's not a lot of youth uh at that point guard position you look at whitehead he's more of a two um so Juwan evans might be a nice fit for that backup role or possibly a, a starter for Brooklyn because Brooklyn doesn't have a lot of depth. They don't have a lot of stars. Um, so maybe they need to, to start uh, at some point. I think Jawan Evans can be a nice fit for Brooklyn. Again, not a huge j- game changer. I don't think he's going to be a star or anything, but possibly uh, a starter, possibly one of the lower half uh, of, of great point guards in this league. You know, maybe you know if we're raking starting point guards, he'd probably be like bottom 20 for sure. But still, I think he could be serviceable. If he's coming off the bench, I think he could be a nice addition for the Nets. So Juwan Evans is the pick at 27. Ricky, you have uh, the big man at Purdue. I do. And this is one where I'll say, because I noticed that, hey, you know what? I had Justin Patton had to do a little switching because Bradley went up to Orlando. He wasn't there for Brooklyn where he was originally for me. And really, this is just, you know what? You took a center earlier with Ike. You got to get another person down low. And Swanigan's a guy that I really like watching. Like Big Ten basketball is my forte. Can rebound, can shoot. He can run the floor a little bit better this year, which I like from big men, especially with how this NBA is going. We look at the Golden State Warriors and the Cavs in the finals, and really most of these games have been track meets and you know getting up and down the floor, especially from the Warrior side. But he's a guy that can shoot from the outside, rebound, score from inside, has some things to work on, more so that ball handling, but he's something that the Nets could work on 
as they hopefully get better. And Dave, you have two big men going to Brooklyn. You got Semiola Leger out of Southern Methodist University, the uh, the the Mustangs out out there in Texas. Why are you going with two big men, and why does Semi fit the uh, the Nets? Uh, I like him. He is a pretty good scorer, good wing, and I think that honestly for him, like this is more so just best potential available on the board left. I you know he was ACC Player of the Year. He definitely earned it. He has been a really good shooter. Um, honestly, like he has a pretty well-rounded game. I think the biggest knock on him is his age at this point. That's why he's going so far in this draft. Um, but I still think there's a good amount of potential there because he didn't get a ton of time earlier in his career at Duke. So this was like the first full year of you know 30-plus minutes and him out there, and he looked very comfortable. So personally for me, I feel like this is a – it just screams Brooklyn to me. It, it's a guy who is undervalued by a lot of teams out there uh, and like I could see him coming in, and that's a team I, I've said about others. But it's you're you're gonna get playing time there, and you're gonna be able to see what they develop on pretty early on within their first year. You're gonna know either we hit it or look, he's a bench player, a role player. And I think the most interesting thing about Ojale is uh, is his three point per, uh, percent shooting, shooting forty two percent from three as yeah. a big man, and then also his his ability to score inside. I think Semi is a a very interesting player there because I mean he's a guy that. Um, isn't super big for a power for a power forward because it's most likely going to be his spot. I don't think he's really going to be a small forward. Uh, yeah, because six you look, eight. You, yeah, you he's... look at his size. He's, he's more. He's big like a power forward. Um, I wings, think man. It's going to be. I just leave it at guards, wings, and bigs. Honestly, I don't think he's going to be like this player. But you look at Draymond Green. I mean, he is very undersized. I don't think he's going to be anything like Draymond. But uh, Draymond's a smaller guy. But still, you see Draymond's uh, ability uh, and his versatility has really helped him develop into a nice stretch four and, and mm-hmm. just a. a very useful player and, and maybe semi can and kind of develop into a player like draymond definitely not saying he's going to be to the level of draymond be a top defender in the league and also just be one of the most versatile players in the league but still semi could be a guy who could be very interesting in that aspect and, and possibly has the potential to become a guy like that but anyways if we're talking about potential let's go to los angeles not mm-hmm. only is this team full of potential uh but they're gonna be drafting a guy for me and dave um in jordan bell a guy at oregon who really wouldn't have a ton of player in time if it wasn't for Boucher going down, mm-hmm. but had a ton of playing time in the tournament. And he really big. He shined, man. Mm-hmm. He really shined in the tournament. Jordan Bell looked absolutely fantastic. Um, blocking shots left and right, grabbing boards, putting balls back up. He's undersized, 6'9". Um, isn't a guy that's you know huge, massive, towering over players, but he's a guy again like Tristan Thompson. He's a guy that has a lot of energy, a, a lot of athleticism on on his uh, on his side. I think he's a guy that can be very interesting. He's a long wingspan. I mean, he's a guy that can be very interesting for an NBA team. I think he's kind of going towards that smaller center route, that smaller power forward route that can be very versatile for your team. I think he's gonna be anything of an offensive threat. I don't think he's gonna be really uh, too much outside of a guy that's gonna grab boards and put it back up. But we've seen the uh, the usefulness of a guy like DeAndre Jordan, guy like. Uh, Hassan Whiteside do things uh, spectacularly for in that position. I think for Los Angeles, that could be a nice guy coming off the bench. Kind of fit well with that Larry Nance role, don't you think? Dave? Yeah, I kind of want to agree with you there. I, again, I love his energy. I know it was you know his playing time really well. His spotlight really shined mm. during the tournament, and kind of it's it's easy to fall in love with players during the tournament. So sure. I, I have a little concern there because you know maybe I'm taking that into too much consideration. But look all around. He gives you everything he's got, like 100% all the time when he's on the court. There's nothing not to love about that style of play because he really leaves it all out there. For me personally, it just turns into like, all right, he's going to go balls to the walls for you. And defensively, I don't think there's a spot he can't cover unless you have a true uh, big out there. And that's that's the thing. Like He can get up and close personal on switches, on pick and roll. And in today's NBA, we see how effective the pick and roll is being used. 
every single time you're up and down that court. Like teams that are successful right now are Golden State, who are running multiple pick and rolls, pick and pops. And I'm not worried about him switching and, you know, the communication out there, not a concern at all. So I think he's a great defensive pickup and a great role player for your bench. And if we want to talk about completely new additions to any mock draft, this is mm-hmm. the first appearance yep. out of any mock draft that I did, any mock draft that we've done together. Ricky, you have a new face uh, got for DJ. Los Angeles. You got DJ Wilson out of Michigan. DJ Wilson. And the main reason why is the Lakers here, I feel like you're not going to find the, the next best thing. You're not going to find, like, the Lonzo Ball, the Markel Fultz at one or two. And I like DJ because he's a guy that can add defense here, but not just defense from the big man role, versatility too. He's a guy that, although he's a big at 6'11", he has the versatility to even guard guards on the outside and can be like, oh, yeah, I'm guarding a big, I'm guarding a guard on the outside. The only thing is his awareness you got to work on defensively. And really, he can come in and be just a role player for them. They don't need anybody to step in at 28 and take over this team because they got Brandon Ingram. They'll have Lonzo or Fultz, and he can come in and be a role player in Luke's system. Yeah, Sean, so I just have to ask you with this pick, do you feel like somebody's on the hot seat in that power Julius forward Julius Randle's not on the hot seat, goddammit. Well, He's going to be a D, backup. DJ can play the four or the five. No, what I'm saying for Jordan Bell. Oh, I think okay. Jordan Bell's going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have him mocked. I don't have DJ Wilson mocked. I got Jordan Bell mocked. Jordan Bell's going to be going to Los Angeles. He's not going to take Julius Randle's spot because Julius Randle is more like Draymond Green than fucking Jordan Bell. Mm-hmm. If you look at Jordan Bell, that guy's strictly athleticism. I know. A- Athleticism. Julius Randle, he's got a refined game. He likes fine wine, cheeses, listening to classic <laughs> jazz. Julius Randle is your classic basketball player. I love this guy. You know, we, I, I trashed on him saying he was too small, like but he's the same. That I don't. You just know that word. I don't think you know yep. what that means. Um, <laughs> but looking at, at Julius Randle again, I'm sold on Julius Randle. You're not. Julius Randle is going to be an NBA star. Julius okay. Randle's Randle. I, I was going to say Randle. I'm rambling right now. Julius Randle though is going to be the future. Uh, power forward at that for the Lakers. Jordan Bell is just going to be backing him up, and I think it's going to be a fantastic backup there because you got so much energy, so but much Nance. explosiveness coming out. Nance can play the small forward, or Jordan Bell can be center, or Jordan Bell can slide over your center's position. Jordan, go and, small. And Larry Nance can go with your power forward. Right, I think right. I think it'd be interesting. I just, just want to check Sean. I think it'd be interesting. I think they're going to have a lot of energy and explosiveness with Mr. Larry Nance Jr. and Jordan Bell coming off that bench, backing up my boy Julius Randle because he's not getting traded. Um, he's not going to get traded. <laughs> unless, jo- that. unless Jordan Bell <laughs> turns into a superstar, then they could trade Julius Randle. But it's not going to happen because Julius Randle is, uh, is, is the future power forward for the Lakers. But anyways, let's move on to 29. Who wants to talk about him? Who wants to talk about Josh Hart, this our favorite player? This is the perfect player? fit. The perfect I know, fit Ricky. I've been mocking for five I mean, fucking mocks. This is the one where I don't think we need to, it's but I'll go ahead and say The it. Cavs already won. <laughs> I'm getting tired. This is one where, you know, all we got to say is it's a perfect fit for the Spurs. Take the upperclassmen and move on. I think we could say a little bit more about how sexy he is, how how great he is. I mean, the Malcolm Brogdon, Malcolm award, Brogdon winner. award winner. I mean, what potentially he's got, Sean. I think he's really he's probably invested a lot into his four hundred one k recently. <laughs> I think I think Josh Hart can make very um, keen purchases as well. I don't think he's going to be a guy that spends his his money um, mm-hmm. just aimlessly. I think he's going to be a guy with a, a lot of focus, both on the, the the court and off the court. I think he's going to be a, a fantastic player. I think he's really going to fit the fo- the, the the pops uh, system here. And I think that you look at Josh Hart um, and you. 
we also talk about Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker, um, those guys aging and possibly leaving the team. I think Josh Hart could be a nice fit. If they re-sign Patty Mills, if they bring in Chris Paul, I don't uh, know. Patty Kyle Mills Lowry. might be getting paid I'm, this offseason. I'm just saying the guys, well, if they're not able to pay a guy like Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry, then they would bring in Patty Mills. I think mm-hmm. I think adding Josh Hart to that could be very interesting. Uh, Dave, anything you want to say about Josh Hart? Uh, no, I, I feel like you guys summed it up, and it's just it's a no-brainer for the Spurs. I honestly, I, okay, to be fair, I did consider Thornwell here. I did consider um, Swanigan here as well. The the two guys who possibly could go there because I'm thinking, what would the Spurs do? We're, we're going older, and we're going to get someone who has developed uh, a more refined game. And mm-hmm. I feel like both those guys are worth mentioning here because they both could go in the late one. Uh, but Josh Hart, I just feel like you nailed it. It's it's pure fit, and it's entirely dependent on their guard position during the offseason. I think the biggest thing, too, is, is Thornwell. You see him more of a scorer, and Josh Hart's more all around. I think that's what's something that Pop likes. He's a he's a player that has a lot of tools, knows how to use those tools. Smart player. I think that Thornwell could be a nice pick as well, though, because you see the drive and, and fierceness yeah. of him. That might fit very well with uh, a guy like Pop, because I think that's why a guy like Dwayne Dedman succeeded. A guy that you saw the competitiveness, just wasn't able to get a guy to lead that in the right way. I think a guy like Thornwell could be a nice fit, but let's move on to 30. Last pick, and I got Alex Peters out of Valparaiso. Valpo, the Bryce Drew. Uh, I think Bryce Drew is their coach, isn't he? Bryce Drew, mm-hmm. uh, the guy who hit that one shot at one time. Uh, but Alex <laughs> Peters. The I one got... that you were very excited about when you and Dave argued about it the one time. Oh, yeah. Because Dave that. was like, who the hell is Bryce Drew? Because I mentioned he played him for the Bulls. one of the all-time I Bulls. will still say I don't <laughs> recognize him as a player. Bryce Drew is awesome. Anyways, uh, Alex Peters, though, is also awesome. He's a big man. Uh, I think he shot like over 40% from three. I mean, this guy can shoot it. He could stroke it from the outside. Um, he, he, he's going to be a forward um, in some aspe- aspects. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to develop him into uh, you know uh, more than just a three-point shooter. But I think he fits really well into that uh, Joe Ing- Ingles uh, kind of frame that the Utah Jazz already have. Uh, he can be a guy that can shoot from the outside, and we obviously see how Joe uh, has thrived there in Utah. So I think Alex Peters might be uh, a surprise pick for Utah, but I think he fits well with this Utah team. And big Bryce, Bryce Drew news. Not only did he have the shot, he's no longer the coach at Valpo now. When did he leave? He is now 2016. He took over at Vanderbilt. Oh, that's right. So he's at Vandy. Vandy. Yeah, I knew no he was long, a coach no longer Valpo. No longer at, uh, at Valpo. But, yeah, to me it's a similar thing. Take the next big man that's on the board, and for me that's Jordan Bell, and just keep moving on. I mean, Jordan Bell's a fantastic mm-hmm. fit there. Yeah. And uh, you look at this, Dave, you're gonna last, you got last pick. We already got talked RK. about it a little bit. You got RK. Yeah, I got Rodonis. And honestly, Rodonis. I, I feel I feel kind of bad for the Jazz because I'm like, I'm giving you two <laughs> players who are internationals who have One's a draft and stash. One's or... a draft and stash. And, and the, honestly, the thing is, it's just like, this is where you end up with this 20 to 30 section. It's entirely like, I'm throwing a dart at a board and hoping something sticks because you, you you can go for pure upside and you can go for value. And what you're gaining from international players is you have more potential there mm-hmm. because you haven't quite seen them play against NBA-level competition yet or consistently, one or the other. So my, my thought is, well, I'm not giving you a big-name college star. I'm giving you guys who have potentially higher upside than guys who are taken in the same range. And the laptop has been closed. That means we are done through all 30 picks. 
It was fun. We got part one, part two, part three all up on YouTube. If you've been listening all through on Blog Talk Radio, we appreciate it so much. You guys rock. If you're listening to us, if you're downloading us, you kick ass on blogtalkradio.com slash fastbreak. If you're watching on YouTube, what's up? Thank you for joining us for all three parts. Again, don't forget to check out the link in the description for the Google Docs mm-hmm. so you can see all of our picks. Um, we know Ricky's going to definitely get some hate. Dave and I usually get our, our fair share, share oh, hate. I haven't yeah. been getting hate much. That's true. Ricky got love. I got hate. That's I, was, true. I was reasonable. However, I was reasonable. However, this is a mock draft, and this is where Ricky, the hate for Ricky shines. Just the number one pick. We can just stop right there. That's true. Anyways, um, <laughs> it was fun. We had, we had a fun time. Thank you guys so much for yeah, helping us out. Here. Yes, there is a camera, yeah. Dave. There's always been a camera here. Dave just um, turns us back to the camera. And I forget about that. us so often. We, I'm sorry, guys. We had one of our best months in May, and it's all thanks to you guys. You guys absolutely rock. We're hopefully uh, giving you more great content consistently. We have a ton of draft coverage coming up. We also got some finals talk. Uh, Kevin Love is the most underrated player uh, in the NBA. and that's it's also in, your father. I think that's how we're going to end this episode um anyways thank you so much for watching guys don't forget to check out patreon.com slash most of our podcast anyways for dave ricky i'm sean we'll see you next time thank you for listening to this mvp podcast follow us on twitter at most valuable pod for more great podcasts